0: This is Dr. Bita Solway, certified professional coach, consultant, and author of the international bestseller, The Well-Referred Dentist. You are listening to Hashtag TOD Podcasts of Dentistry with Dr. Pink.
1: podcast is sponsored by Squadcast at dentistry.com slash squadcast. I believe everyone has a story to tell and if you want to start a podcast to tell your story, the easiest way to start one is Squadcast. No special hardwares, no special softwares needed for you or your guests. You simply start podcasting using any laptop or desktop or Android phone and even a Chromebook In a browser like Chrome, Firefox, Opera, Brave. So, you may ask, how did you do it? Well, it's simple. As a host, you simply schedule an interview on your dashboard. Share that particular link to the guest and hit record to get studio quality audio. Done. Simple. No sign-ups needed by your guests. No special mics needed by anyone and still get studio quality audio. There can be up to four people at one time, including the host. You can even see the video of your guests. Connect any earphone or headphones with mic and you're golden. When you're done, simply stop recording and everything with separate tracks is automatically uploaded on your dashboard, ready to download in no time. Most of the basic audio editing is also automatically done when you download. Well, Guess what? This particular podcast was recorded on Squadcast. Do I not make any sense? Well, they do have demo videos on their website to show you exactly how it is done. I did use the support and they have best in the class support. They are so confident in their services that they have even compared their services with other competitors. Another thing that gives me peace of mind is redundancy. That means that even if there is some error, you can still get the backup. Of all the recordings sent to you in your email through your dashboard. So, if you really like the idea of starting your own podcast, podcastofdentistry.com/squadcast. The subscription starts only at ten dollars per month. You can cancel any time through your account without making any calls or any change of emails. Super easy. Once again, to support this show, simply go to podcastofdentistry.com. Squadcast. Give it a try. Today, we have a very special treat for the listeners of hashtag POD, Podcasts of Dentistry. Today's podcast is more or less like a CE course for implementing sleep apnea in your own office. This is for the first time that we are covering a clinical course level discussion on a podcast. We have two experts today, Dr. Joe Zelk, who's done thousands of sleep apnea cases and Dr. Richard Downs, who is a dentist with multiple fellowships and more than 40 years of experience in dentistry that you would like to learn and uncash on his experience. With Dr. Down, you not only learn about sleep apnea, but also his entrepreneurship experience. And the same goes for Dr. Joe. I interviewed them with the idea of implementing sleep apnea in my own office. So I go all in asking them all the questions which are necessary for me to implement sleep apnea. If you think you're an expert in sleep apnea already, there is still some more great information about the new products that I bet you haven't heard of and that is worth a listen anyways. Those gadgets are actually talked about towards the end of the podcast if you're only interested in them. Although, there's a lot more for you to imbibe that. The whole podcast is still a great lesson. If you're a middle-level sleep apnea provider, you can still learn how you can use their a la carte services to tweak to become an expert in sleep apnea. Of course, if you're new in the realm of sleep apnea, you will gain confidence of implementing it slowly but steadily in your office. I like to use the word predictably. With predictability, you gain more confidence and hence more success. There are intros about both of them in the first few minutes of the podcast, so please keep a little patience for a few minutes to get to the meat of the podcast. We really had a lot of fun recording the podcast. You can and you will feel the energy and passion of the duo. They opened their hearts out. Why they themselves got into sleep apnea. Of course, there is some history of sleep apnea for contextual purposes and even a cheat sheet about signs and symptoms. We also got into hybrid therapy and how that can be used for severe cases of sleep apnea. Oh yeah, you heard it right. Even for severe cases of apnea. I put them on stand to find the potential average money that a dentist can make from each patient. It came out to be an authentic discussion and believe me, I asked all the possible questions I could think of and what my peers wanted to ask me on Facebook and all the other social media. There are some specials that both of them have created for our listeners at podcastofdentistry.com slash sleep. podcastofdentistry.com slash sleep. If you still have any more questions, please reach out to us at podcastofdentistry at gmail.com and we'll get you your answers. As usual, all the links and resources can be found at the website podcastofdentistry.com and specifically for this session at Podcast of Dentistry.com slash session 13. So, without further ado, let's welcome Dr. Downs and Dr. Joe Zelk for this amazing clinical CE level podcast. Thank you. All right. uh, So, thank you. Thank you for coming in. Hashtag POD, Podcast of Dentistry. Um, And, uh, you know, as you were kind of joking around in the pre call, uh, you know, that we could call Dr. Rick as Dr. Rick Fellowship. Downs because of the all the fellowships that he's done um he's certainly well known in in the dental community um and for people who don't know uh he can actually you can talk to him in my group at podcastofdentistry.com dot com slash facebook um dr Joe on the other hand uh I would only say one thing he's a double board certified in behavioral sleep medicine well correct. Dr. Rick, I'm going to ask you, uh, how did you even get into sleep apnea? I mean, you've been doing dentistry. You got into implants, you know. Um, and how did you, how did you even get into sleep apnea? What made you uh, get into sleep apnea to begin okay. with?
2: I would say 10 years ago, um, I saw some information uh, from a group advertising <clears> – <throat> that the practices could come into uh a relationship with their community and, and work in and sleep medicine. Uh I was intrigued by it. I already knew that I was a bad snorer. I I, I snored so bad that I drove my wife out of the bedroom. And uh and, uh, and that was a a wake up call.
1: At least you kicked her out, not she.
2: Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. See I uh, that was pretty amazing. She didn't kick me out. Oh, of course, I tell you what, she did kick me out. A few times. <laughs> and then finally she just gave up. She just gave I'm sure up. i you got back. bruised ribs it, over it the years was, from it though. It was not good. I can, I can tell you poking and, 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 and elbows and the whole thing. And it got worse as I got older. So when I went to the course, I was curious. I really had no clue though, that that was, that I was, that, that I had sleep apnea. Uh, for sure. I just knew that I was a loud snorer. I didn't know any different. So I got to the course in Omaha. I took a two two or three-day course, I believe it was. We did follow-up courses. I took a lot of intensive training, and I got myself sleep tested, and I ended up with an AHI of uh, 17 yes. and a half. So I knew then that I had had problems. I self-treated. I'm sorry, I didn't go to a physician. And I went ahead and put a I made a normal appliance for myself. I started out with a tap and uh and I noticed an immediate quit. I just quit snoring altogether. Uh it was gone. And uh later on I tested myself with the appliance in and my AHI score was a two point oh, two. So that was a great oh, improvement. Yeah. And so that's, where, that's how I got started. Hmm. Interesting. So yeah. uh so
1: basically you're scratching your own itch. Uh that's how it started, uh more or less
2: um yeah i kind of went into it blindly uh and, and not really that enthusiastic really i just uh but i get, became more enthusiastic after i learned about it and all the problems that it can cause uh you know the illnesses and the uh, and that weight gain i had gained weight i didn't know really what to, i thought it was just because i was getting <laughs> older uh and i and i began to exercise i lost 30 pounds I I used to be an athlete when I was in high school. Joe and I were both in gymnastics wow. at one time. Joe Joe can still do it. I can't <laughs> anymore. I was I was I was participating in uh, in CrossFit and I was getting really back in shape uh, at 69 years old uh, a few years ago. Uh, so it was quite a difference. Uh, it, it made me more uh, healthy, and uh, my mind feels more alert than it used. Interesting. to. Interesting. Now, Thank you. did you say you knew Joe in in the school or whatever?
1: I mean, I thought you just got you just met like professionally. I mean, that's what I presumed.
2: Um, no, I I was looking online at Bongo. Okay, it's called an Epat procedure. Joe can explain it better yeah. than I can. Uh, but I was totally intrigued with Bongo because I wanted to improve my scores even better. I wanted to get a better, uh, and I noticed that over time. I was losing a little bit of efficiency with my oral clients over time. And I wanted to try and see if I could fix that. I looked into Bongo, I found out, I wanted to become a North American rep because I was a North American rep for
0: Snore.com,
2: And I decided I'd go and and look for another uh, item that I could add to my repertoire. And uh, then I found Joe and I'm telling you, it's the best discovery I've made in (laughs) a long time. Me too, Rick, me too. Unbelievable! Hey, Unbelievable! Hey, just, hey, the, uh, the energy this guy—I can't keep up. I don't up with know. You hold your own. You hold your own. <laughs> I'm trying, Joe.
1: Stop praising each other. I'm around here. I'm here too. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> thank thanks for skill right.
3: left right. out there. You're oh, great too, you. buddy.
1: I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I'm just having you. a little fun here. Um, yeah. So, uh, Joe, what is what is that you do? Um, people don't know what behavioral sleep medicine is. You know? Sure. Yeah, yeah yeah it's
3: it's it's a totally not discussed board certification well um I am a, a sleep doctor okay um board certified and I've been doing sleep disorders since the late nineties started off in uh, cardiovascular practice led me to the connections with sleep disorder breathing I had no clue really what o s a was at that time got really into it um and then eventually committed my professional career toward sleep, even though I was family practice initially. So I'm a doctor of nursing practice. It's a nurse practitioner with a doctorate in Oregon, Washington, and most states. It's an independent practice uh, clinician. Um, if you are a psychologist or a, um, uh, an, an another otherwise a PhD or clinical doctorate and you want to go through board certification, it's a behavioral sleep medicine boardification. As of 2002, thereabouts, 2003 um, between 2002 and 2005-ish, I think, um, I'll have to look at those numbers here, is when the, um, the medical boards for MDs and DOs and originally sort of said, hey, we want to adopt sleep as a, a specialty, a, a, a actual bona fide specialty, not kind of a rogue sort of outside of the medical uh, halls uh, uh, sort of specialty. So, so at that point, they dis- divided two different board certifications. So since I'm a doctor of nursing practice, uh, got over, you know, almost 20 years of sleep experience. That's where I went. And I think that's why I'm more open to not just standard CPAP therapy. I've been Mm -hmm. a lot more open into uh, alternatives like oral appliances. And luckily, in my practice, uh, I've been working with a board certified dentist for that, that period of time. And we've been able to cross pollinate. I've been able to share sleep Uh, perspectives to him. And he's been able to share dental sleep perspectives to me. And I wanted to be a resource for dentists across the country because I've seen it, you know, if you've done this long, there's going to be things that people are new to this are going to want to bounce off of someone who's seen it already, you know, kind of uh, been there already done that. So that's the little confusion there is, is a fun little fact is, is sleep disorders uh, research started in psychology. (laughs) Oh, Okay. It wasn't even in the medical; it's psychology. And actually, when I first started, you there was only psychologists who were board certified by the Academy of Sleep Medicine, and uh, most MDS and DOs who wanted to be medical directors of these new up and coming in lab sleep centers that were performing these nocturnal polysomnograms, they didn't have; they had no avenue or any experience to become board certified. So they would actually have, a, have to have a board certified psychologist, sleep psychologist. Hmm sign off their interpretations initially tell me that's not interesting but that doesn't you know and then it got turned around and then everyone kind of got pushed to the side and mds and do's uh, were able to take over the the sleep which is you know which is their prerogative and that's where rick and i are right now we want to really be available to take all those formal sleep training um, curriculum and apply it to other clinicians dentists have done a good job uh, originating that that's, that's very unique to have the American Academy of Dental Sleep Medicine to actually go through and apply a medical, cur- basically a medical curriculum to the dental practice. That was really groundbreaking, you know, mm. groundbreaking. And I think the same thing could be true for other uh, clinicians like chiropractors. And I, I, the reason why I say chiropractors specifically is because they're the leaders in more natural or functional medicine right now. And I think they've really taken the, the, the lead on nutritional medicine um, uh, peptide therapies, you know, all these new age things that you, now, now everyone calls biohacking. If you're on the, if you're on podcast world, you're going to hear about biohacking and that's mostly oh, yeah. functional, you know, functional medicine, chiropractic uh, folks, you know, doing the, the, the gut microbiome has been that area of, of folks that have really pushed the envelope that our immune system is really a healthy gut. And that's beautiful. That fits beautifully within what Rick's been, Dr. Downs has been preaching for years is that periodontal health is essentially oral microbiome health. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now it's all coming full circle but I got to tell you, sleep is still this hidden little secret especially the sleep apnea component that no one's even discussing to its full level of of, of, of impact. And so I'm glad you're, you're interviewing on the, us on this because this needs a lot more mm-hmm. coverage in the podcast sphere.
1: Got it. Yeah. Uh, so uh, uh, while researching about this podcast, I realized that there is there is a oral sleep apnea, and there is one thing called sleep disorders. Seems like I the way I understood was that oral sleep apnea is one of the sleep disorders.
2: Uh, I, I would say too, there's more than a hundred sleep disorders uh, and counting. Right now, there's more than a hundred uh, known sleep okay. disorders, and I would say that it's going to be uh, uh, increasing the number of sleep disorders yeah. uh, diagnosed is going to be, but the vast majority of sleep disorders obstructive is absolutely obstructive, okay. and so it's either a nasal obstruction or pharyngeal obstruction, or even further down the area of the of uh, the neck uh, obstruction, right. and that's why dentists are treating that obstructive disorder. And about ninety-seven, probably maybe even ninety-eight percent of those people who have sleep disorders
0: is an
3: obstructive Got it. nature Got it. well absolutely you know in the general realm of sleep uh medicine uh, I think there were to... about 80 when i first started and i think like uh that. rick's right we've we've uncovered a lot more general sleep disorders and of course sleep disordered breathing is one area. So I think you're referring to sleep disordered breathing and obstructive sleep apnea versus central sleep apnea. Um, There is, there is no real oral anything in sleep disorders. It's just uh, uh, sleep disordered breathing. And then that's a spectrum of disorder, you know, normal breathing, to disorder breathing. And so you start off as just having no noise whatsoever. That's what evolution wanted. No one's supposed to make a lot of noise at nighttime, otherwise the predators are gonna get you, okay? (laughs) Um, But now, because we have modern facial types and Weston A. Price did a fantastic job. If you ever look back into medicine, it's the dentist that have made a lot of the breakthroughs <laughs> you know i mean it, anesthesia you know was a dentist with nitrous back in the or ether back in the day um and then nitrous and then of course uh Weston a price went back to um uh, more indigenous populations that were not exposed to modern food sources and shelf life you know c- expanding processes and he noticed that if you didn't mess with Mother Nature, everyone had this beautiful arch and they had room for their wisdom teeth. There was no crowding. And over the last few mm-hmm. hundred years, uh, crowding has – and orthodontia, it, you know, Phil knows this. You know, teeth are crooked in most of us, almost 90% of us. Most of us don't have any room for our wisdom teeth. This is not something that's evolved over millennia. This is a modern system that Western A. Price has, has um connected and that's an area too that we need to start addressing and that's why I think dentistry is so pivotal because we need to get back to the roots of airway development.
2: Yes. I actually could I actually could agree with that Joe. I can't think of a profession that can have a more profound effect yeah, on the so
1: airway um, system than dentistry can, The way I, I was listening to another absolute astounding you know, what you we know, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan uh, our evolutionary when we used to eat uh, you know, uh, food like uh, dense food or raw food. We used to use your jaws in a much uh, harder way, I should say, or, or we used to chew much more. So we used to have a developed or very developed uh, uh, jaw uh, because of which we did not face any such sleep apnea issues uh, in in the older days or as as we are getting into more softer or more, Uh, refined food, uh, it's getting into more trouble uh, with sleep apnea. Is that understanding correct?
3: I I think that's one impact. Uh, There's a lot of debate out there. I think John Mew and Michael Mew in in England, they're orthodontists that have been pushing against the establishment uh, and have they've really caused a ground squ- swell on that sort of notion that form follows function. Uh, so if you're chewing and you get good, strong muscles, you're going to expand that arch. But I think it's more than that. I think it's, um, artificial selection. You know, uh, my parents had allergies and their parents had allergies. And if it wasn't for modern sanitation and clean water and, and safe food and good, antibiotics and medicines and i had my tonsils out as a child and ear so we're intervening where where i'm not very genetically you know (laughs) advanced i've got a modern sort of a a de-evolution there but uh and and i have an airway problem at like nine percent body fat it's not apnea but it's still robs cool. me of my sleep quality if I don't treat it. So I've worn a dental appliance for 15 years, and I'm proud to say I'm, I'm always going to have abs until I'm in my 90s. That's my goal. <laughs> mm-hmm. But but if you go back to all the factors, um, if you're not nasal breathing, and there's a, a really great book back in, like, I, I can't remember exactly. I think it might have been the early 1900s or something. Uh, or even late 1800s but this guy w- was noticing that indigenous populations native americans had really good form uh of the orbits uh development and he noticed yeah. that they always nasal breathed and all these modern people around all the pollution were mouth breathing he said "Close, sh- yeah. z- shut your mouth save your life even way way back then so if your nasal function's good then you're going to have the tongue in the roof of the mouth, which will form the maxillary uh, arch, which will allow right. the mandible to follow through. Mm-hmm. It'll make the tongue stronger. So you need to do a couple things. You need to always leave. Right. Breastfeeding is fantastic for nutritional aspects. Everyone's highlighting that. But what they're missing out is the myofunctional impacts of breastfeeding. Breastfeeding is like is like the marathon for infants. Okay, It, it knocks them out because it's so much work. And the tongue is getting stronger. The facial development starting to accelerate on the right path. And remember, you got you know depending on whose anatomy right. physiology right. book you're looking at, the average face is going to get probably sixty to eighty uh, percent of development, the mid face, by about a year to two years old. And almost 90 percent by the time you're, you know, between four and seven to eight years old, depending if you're a female or male. So the facial development is absolutely imperative to be a great nasal breather, a fantastic (laughs) breastfeeder, you know, Um, and, and, and again, not eating mush. You know, Gerber is a very recent sort of. Plague yeah, on yeah. on muscle tone.
1: So that's uh, the that's the If You want good strong a muscles. Don't give now, your baby. Give uh, me give me you know. some uh, you know startling statistics if you have you know um, which opens up the eyes for you know either the patients and or uh, you know for the uh, for the dentist to get into sleep apnea to make it. And we can obviously talk more about uh, the diagnosis you know, and, and student planning and, you know, the medical billing later as we move on. But let's talk about a little bit about some statistic, which actually talks about sleep apnea. Some things, one or
0: two statistics that helped you.
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rick, you got any uh, suggestions there? I've been dominating the conversation here.
2: Well, you know, I, I do know this that the last statistics I saw was that there is a related to sleep apnea, there's 154 billion being lost to sleep apnea. And that's just in car accidents, it's uh, high blood pressure, it is stroke, heart disease. All these things are being treated, many, many of them are being treated. Uh, and ignoring sleep studies. I've, 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 referred people for sleep studies that I know have a sleep disorder. And, uh, uh sometimes uh, for some unenlightened individuals, they'll have uh, a PCP will say that they don't have uh, a, any need for a sleep study. Their uh, oxygen levels on this pulse ox are showing that they don't need anything done. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a problem that I think not only dentists are not educated, patients are not educated, but a a great many people in the medical field are not educated uh, to the extent that we'd like to see. Now, I I think that's improving, but the other problem is that uh, uh, sleep apnea specialists, they're actually graduating fewer and fewer of them. So if you have 54, and the last study I saw a few years ago, there was estimated 40 million people sleep apnea undiagnosed and i think the figure is up to 54 billion million now in the u.s alone and that's not getting worse uh, better; it's actually getting worse and we're, we're bottlenecking it it's getting bottlenecked uh because there's fewer 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 sleep uh doctors uh, being graduated i don't think they're getting enough training in dental or medical school on sleep apnea and sleep disorders and Dentists are just now becoming aware that actually sleep apnea is causing dental problems—a great many dental problems: TMJ pain, broken teeth, broken crowns, uh, mouth breathing. It is—it is a problem that is, it is absolutely huge.
3: Well, and, and I've got a uh, recent statistic. You know, epidemiologically, everyone's talk has talked over the years about the Wisconsin uh, health. Uh, uh, um, let's see here. It was the. Uh, the Sleep Heart Health Study back starting in nineteen ninety five on five thousand eight hundred people, and it continues to be updated in, in two thousand ten. The uh, Wisconsin um, study on uh, sleep apnea started back in the nineties, and there was a recent one that did a meta analysis and then a reassessment of thirty eight of forty uh, modern or uh, uh, civilized countries there, where we have all the uh, modern day, you know, access to processed food and pollution and whatnot. And it says here that uh, of the Americas, 170 million on their estimates or 37% of the population was at high risk in the Mm. adult population for sleep apnea. They estimated that 81 million adults or 18% of the population suffer from moderate to severe OSA. So almost a half um, had (laughs) some apnea and almost 20% had uh, moderate to severe. Now, that's changed dramatically. There was a lot of years where we would refer back to um, the initial epidemiologic uh, information. We say, well, that's 2% of, say, um, women and 9% of men, but that was between ages of 30 and 60, and they never included people with 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 obesity. Once you pass 30 to 40 BMI, you start to have a logarithmic change in your earway dimensions, and the tongue gets bigger and bigger, crowding the back of the throat and the same person they followed over years at a normal weight could have say a mild case of sleep apnea and within about 80 pounds they could go to the most severe level of sleep apnea we're talking in the in the 100 times per hour which is incredibly high we call i call it the super duper sleep apnea, and that's typically in the folks with uh, very severe uh, obesity so if you pass the age of 60 if you are tough enough to pass the age of 60 you now get the moniker of being able to double the prevalence of that in the ages of 30 to 60. So if now, modern day epidemiology says that between 30 and 60, you are an average human being with an average elevated BMI, because that's what's contributing to this, then then almost 40% of you have sleep apnea. Now once you pass 60, double whatever that number is between 30 and 60, because muscle tone is lost, um, there's more weight gain over decades of time, uh, there is some facial restriction too. People don't talk about the fact that as you get older, especially if you have poor tongue posture, <laughs> your midface actually collapses over the years because those sutures are So these are some interesting, trust me, if uh, you want to get in the weeds, or some cheat, Joe's up in the weeds with like, sleep medicine there, I'll What
1: tell are you. the basic <laughs> signs and symptoms that you see, uh, you know, uh, for a dentist to be even uh, worried about or even suspect, you know, uh,
0: Yeah.
2: okay let me talk about that yeah, yeah. so I, I would think here i'm gonna just kind of go through some of the things that i look for i'm looking for lack of mid-face and lower face development lack of nasal breathing a okay. uh, small upper jaw small lower jaw retrognactic jaw posterior cross bites wear facets on the teeth if they're wearing excessively muscle fatigue you can palpate the muscles and find out if they're actually having uh, 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 internal uh, the pterygoid muscles are are sore. Uh, get, you can look for high forward head posture and receded chin, mm-hmm. lack of defined chin. Uh, that space called turkey neck that you can see all the time on a patient. They they're, they this doesn't seem like they have a chin at all. Pinched narrow nasal airways, deviated septum, high vaults, uh, uh, elongated uvula. Uh, and then uh, uh, just hmm. a narrow tonsillar space and uh, you look and people call it um, a, a malin patty it's more properly uh, i use it called a frederick score um and then the oversized adenoids uh, and, and narrow arches crowded teeth scallop tongue tongue fair? tie abnormal or low attached mouth freedoms uh deep bite overbite uh over overjet overbite <laughs> and it just goes on and on. It's, it's amazing how much stuff is related to this. And I work with a myofunctional therapist who uh, can help well, do these treatments with patients, especially children uh, tele- with telemedicine. So uh, we're, we're working very heavily with trying to make sure, I know Joe has a telemedicine service. Uh, I'm going to integrate his telemedicine uh, diagnostic services with our mild functional ther- uh, therapies that we have on, on my side. I love
3: that uh, Dr. Downs was saying that because those are all the structural aspects I was just talking about with the modern de-evolution of the airway. And I wanted to add another thing. I've seen clinically over almost two decades oh, really? a much higher prevalence of a higher severity in those who have undergone re- extraction orthodontia if yeah, if someone's that. had bicuspids, cuspids first by cuspids removed and uh, or and or headgear i guarantee you i'm going to see a double severity in their ahi than someone who right. hasn't been through that because you're restricting facial growth and that's going to really be so easy for dentistry to see that just when you're looking in the in the, the, the teeth there count Look, look to see if the wisdom teeth Mm. and the bicuspids have been removed. Pretty much guarantee that they're going to have a a, a elevated tongue posture. They're going to have scalloping on the tongue. That's a seventy percent predictor for snoring. Is if you see scalloping on the tongue, it's so simple to find sleep apnea. Now, that's the structural aspects. Then the the uh, medical history is very simple. If your body mass index is above thirty, you have a much higher likelihood of having sleep apnea. If there is no structural problems. If you have hypertension, elevated blood pressure, okay, then you have a much higher likelihood of having sleep apnea because that contributes. If you have a history of atrial fibrillation, Okay, type 2 diabetes is an insulin resistant syndrome and sleep apnea has been tied right. to insulin resistance and even lipid uh, abnormalities. So there's some great uh, data on uh, IL-6. Everyone's talking about IL-6 right now with COVID and those with, with moderate to severe sleep apnea have been shown to hmm. have a higher uh, blood plasma level of both IL-6 okay. and C-reactive protein, high, high, high sensitive C-reactive protein because oh, you're right. suffocating. Okay, yeah. take away the word apnea, which is confusing to everybody, And put it suffocating in there,
1: okay?
2: And
3: inflammation. And inflammation. So if you you say suffocating... uh,
1: would be a good uh, point for me to move (laughs) Then people go, I I don't Uh, like that. I don't want that, you know? How would you convince a patient? So a patient comes in, he has all the signs, you know, I see, you see, you know, you're... But we have trained eyes, let's put it that way. You know, patients don't see that, but they want to listen, they want to understand... How do you convince a patient, you know, hey, you know what, I believe, I sincerely believe, you know, uh, you mostly 80% chances are that you need, you have sleep apnea or 50% Mm -hmm. chances are 60%, well, whatever. But how do you relate that to the patient such that he actually understands the implication? And actually goes through the process of, you know, like uh, your service. You have a service called Online Sleep Study, uh, you know, uh, Dental Sleep dot com. That he actually goes and visits your websites and and take initiative. Take initiative. Right.
3: Can, can I give you a, a potential first before we go into that? So, I like to look at things on a global basis because other areas, dentistry and medicine, have a little bit more coordination of care. And I was just uh, listening to a lecture here that showed in Sweden of therapies, okay, for sleep apnea, um, oh, it's for like CPAP a okay. in Sweden, 45% of sleep apnea diagnosed patients get CPAP, 55% get oral appliances, okay? Yeah. In Holland, 55% CPAP, 45% oral appliances. In Finland, 75% CPAP, 25% oral (laughs) appliances. In Norway, 80% CPAP, 20% oral appliances. In the U.S., 95% CPAP, 5% oral appliances. So the potential's there. Dentistry in those areas in Scandinavia are no different In modern populations, as far as epidemiology is the US, we just need to encourage the dentist to be more active in doing what you just asked. And that's why the ADA has their, their, they're getting stronger and stronger in the recommendation that you, to be a great dentist, Hmm. to do your dental patient, dental services appropriately, do not ignore airway and oxygenation because if you don't do that all the structures in the mouth will not maintain their health okay so i wanted to add that in there as a potential and then hopefully uh, rick can can talk about what you were yeah. asking specifically
2: well i can tell you this uh this has been an issue uh, this is a really important issue banks i'll tell you why um i speak to dentists all over the country i primarily gear my website dentalsleepbalance.com to those dentists who aren't as well established with their medical community. Now, I totally agree with uh, Joe. I want to work with the medical community. But I'm trying to help people who have tra- done a few appliances per year. Right. They're not doing well with their uh, enrollment skills with patients uh, going into sleep okay. studies or even being interested in what you're talking about. This is why I became the North American rep for Snore, And uh, that's S-N-O-O-O-R. Now, the reason is people are interested in snoring. You can find a lot of interest <laughs> in snoring. This is where I start. And I, so if I talk a, to a patient and they snore, right. early, first of all, I know 80% of them <laughs> are gonna have
0: know,
2: yep. a sleep snoring. Yes, yep. 80% yep. are gonna, but we don't need to talk to them about that now. They're not interested in sleep apnea. They're interested in snoring. You get them started on an easy to do sleep tre- uh, snore treatment like snore, which is just a positional device. You stick it on your breastbone and it trains you to sleep on your side. And we know that 70% of people who snore do so on their back. So we give them a simple solution. It begins the conversation. It's a low entry cost, 60 bucks. And it's so easy for them to get started with some kind of thing that they're interested in. Now, once they have the device, you can follow up on them, say, how's it working? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Mrs. Jones, People who snore oftentimes have a sleep disorder. So if this is not working as well as you'd like to, even if it is working well, you might be interested in the sleep study. And I have an online homesleepstudy.com website and I can train them to get their sleep studies. They don't need a physician's referral. They don't need a board approval. They don't need insurance approval. Patients can buy these things on their own, pay cash for them, pay less than they would if they used their insurance. And now you've got them diagnosed. That's the big hurdle. Got it, Once got you get it. them diagnosed, you can begin working with them about getting something done and talk to them about the consequences of their sleep apnea. That's the way I approach it.
3: And, 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 and that's a great way of doing it. Um, just to give you a little bit more feedback on my history too, Panks, um, mm-hmm. I've been in what I call an interdisciplinary or hybrid practice for again, almost you know, after I got out of in-lab testing uh, initially, uh, as a clinic director for for an in lab testing facility that was outside the hospital, I I helped the academy AADSM develop kind of a medical uh, view of how to manage this with a with medical oversight and the dentist kind of managing the dental appliances, and so I've had a board certified sleep dentist in, in in my practice for almost that whole uh, career. So we've been very unique where I could do the and this is exactly what down what Rick's is saying here. I can do the evaluation as a sleep doctor. I could do the recommendation for the sleep study. I could do the interpretation, especially if you're doing more home testing, you can get a lot more people looked at than, than waiting for an in-lab facility. If you're open to oral appliances and that clinician can actually recommend doing uh, oral appliances early in the process for snoring, mild or moderate sleep apnea, and for severe cases that have not done well with CPAP or have other contraindications, okay? So in our office though, We are in the sea of sleep clinics in Portland, Oregon, and we've been successful at going to -to direct-to-consumer marketing for years for just focusing on the snoring, possibly representing a problem. And people would love to have their snoring as the very primary social reason for getting treated, okay? (laughs) If If you identify the snoring by looking in the airway as a clinician, as a dentist, and say, hey, you look like you're snoring and you're like, yeah, my, my sweetie's always bugging me about that, let's fix that for you. And they're going, yes, let's do this. And let's maybe fix this with something that I can give you that you may like better than the alternative. Would you prefer to start with maybe talking about a dental appliance prior to us getting you to the CPAP conversation? Absolutely, Doc, I wanna start there first. Guarantee you, after fifteen thousand plus patients over all these years, that's where people would prefer mm-hmm. first if it's appropriate, and in many cases it is. It was just never given the opportunity, Got and it. you can see that potential in Sweden where it's the roles have been reversed because they're asking the cl- the, the patient first,
2: "What do you want?" Right, mm-hmm. right. And so, Joe, Joe is so right about this. I, I Joe. It would be ideal. If I had a physician like Joe in my practice, but it's too too bad we're about 2,000 miles apart, Joe. (laughs) But I I would love to work with Joe in a practice where we were working together. That would be so ideal. And uh, I think Joe is also advocating, and I do too, this interdisciplinary approach Mm -hmm. to working with sleep apnea patients because we got to get ENT involved. we got to get other people to look at this Dentists can't treat everything, they just can't do it. And they can't treat them optimally. And Joe is talking about something that's very important. I'm just saying that there are dentists out there that can't do that, don't have the relationship yet. But if we can get them to start referring patients to the sleep doctors, all of a sudden, they're going to look at you differently, and that's cross referral okay. is going to. Get, going so to uh, I think we can actually um, supply patients for people to who are actually new to sleep apnea. Uh, this is how I, would, I think it's going to break things uh, wide open. That's great to
1: kind of come into picture here. Uh, like I, I was hoping if you could actually, you know, speak in terms of the language which dentists or new dentists who don't know anything about sleep apnea. Uh, give in an exa- uh, give with an example of a crown. Like for example, for a crown, what we do: we prep the tooth, we make an impression, and the impression goes to the lab, right? And we deliver the crown, adjust occlusion if needed, and do some follow-ups. How would you describe the broader sense of steps? You know, from the diagnosing uh, or starting to talk to the patient, from diagnosing to all the way up the follow-up chain.
2: Mm. I think Joe had touched on this actually quite eloquently just a few minutes, just a minute ago. But I would say a a screening form, a simple screening form is absolutely something that should be there. The hygienist could start this for you. Um, In the rooms, we have a simple screening form. It's one page long. It has the Epworth score on it, but that's just part of it. It needs to have some other things, dentally related, that goes with sleep apnea, broken teeth, um, sore TMJ, clicking joints, um, dry mouth, things of this nature that might also get the patient, while you're asking the questions, the patient becomes aware, oh, you mean my, my snoring is causing this or my snoring might be a contributor to this or related to this? It begins the conversation. And all of a sudden you get at the bottom of the page and there's a score, uh, uh, actual written score, not just the upward score, but uh, a written score on that page that says, over this amount of uh, score, this, if you've broken this threshold, we're recommending a sleep study. Now, the, the, the hygienist can't make the diagnosis or the recommendation, but at least it's sitting there when the doctor comes in the room, he can look at it and say, Thank you for doing that. You know, it's, it's, you know, congratulate the patient for, for taking the time to go through that uh, questionnaire and begins the conversation. You can show them, actually hold the paper in front of them, say, show them the score saying, you know, your score is this and this is what we recommend uh, for people okay. who have a score that high. Uh, it begins the conversation with statistics right in front of their face. And I think that's one of the ways that we do that in my practice.
3: Yeah, score is a great idea. And any questionnaire that has a scoring mechanism at the bottom that you can just show the patient, hey, this is high risk, you know, and, and this is where you yeah. can take the ADA policy statement that recommends that the dentist conduct specific functions for sleep-related breathing mm-hmm. disorders. And you say, the American Dental Association says we need to actually be screening these things because they're going to impact our dental outcomes. Uh, I just wanted to share with you too, you know, there is data that's growing that's supporting a connection between bruxism and sleep disordered breathing. And some of the the postulations is that uh, nocturnal bruxism is a compensatory mechanism of the upper airway to help overcome upper airway obstruction by activation of the clenching muscles, which results in bringing the mandible and therefore the tongue forward. Okay, so if you see a wear facets on those incisors or you're constantly having to do something about a crown coming out and you're thinking this is the person that's going to destroy everything I put in someone's mouth to avoid having to unnecessarily keep replacing crowns or making excuses for why you didn't cement it ar- enough or, or, or prepare that, mm-hmm. that tooth enough, you, you got to be proactive because it's going to make your life easier if you start covering those teeth appropriately if you see those signs, and that's very, very simple, very simple. If you see scalloping, yes. if you see where, you tell them that the ADA says, we got to look into airway problems because whatever I put in your mouth is not going to last as long.
2: <laughs> Boy, that's great. That's, that is such an important statement. What what uh, Joe has said is really important. I was told in dental school, and I'm, I've been in practice, I have to say, 42 years. I'm I'm just I'm I'm pretty much done. Uh I'm just doing a couple of days a week. And uh that's gonna go even lower now with the pandemic. But I, I can say mm-hmm. this. I was told in dental school with children, half of them brux, half of them. Well, I you can see them. They come in and they're almost worn mm-hmm. down to the pulp on some of their teeth. They're completely flat. And I say, well, I just, just I used to tell the parents, oh, this is normal. Children have 50% of them brux their teeth. You know, I, I just let it go. Sometimes we treat the teeth with a stainless steel crown or some kind of restoration to protect the pulp. But mm-hmm. I had no idea that now I know that this is probably yeah. related to a breathing disorder. And these children need to be evaluated right away. They they they're in big danger. They might get ADHD, uh, hypertensive, uh, a hyperactive disorder, and they probably are doing. Many of them can do poorly in school. They can have uh, behavioral disorders it is an absolute uh I, I can't believe these years that i wasted seeing these children and and never did anything about it now I, i'm appalled at what i've learned and and ignored in the past because i was told. well you know what ex-
3: excites me somebody. too rick is um been, if, yeah. if you start actively screening for patients that have these uh, anatomical uh findings that that increase your suspicion for breathing disorders then you can start in early intervening with their children. And we're big, big fans of myofunctional therapy, so that's why there's systems like the Myobrace, which any general dentist can can do some basic training in myofunctional therapy and how to basically fit these things. And these Myobrace devices are fantastic pre-orthodontic trainers. And again, what they do is they get the tongue in the roof of the mouth, they make it so that a kid can't easily mouth breathe, so it encourages better nasal breathing, so they have a better habit. This is an area where you, as a dentist, by doing the screening of the patient as an adult could actually impact their children have better orthodontic outcomes by getting the arches and the airway developed prior to ever having to go for alignment procedures like wires and brackets so really these are the two things that you can really do just as a dentist you can actually actively look at, look at the at the parent and then immediately start thinking about the kids
2: yeah yeah and my site uh, you know we we in my practice now, I'm emphasizing more and more malfunctional therapy, and it can be done remotely with with the people that I'm working with. It's it's just it's just such a great service, and even with tongue tie, uh, you know, ankyloglossia, they can help a lot of these patients get to the point where their jaws are developing more normally and their speech is improved. Uh, some of them don't even need a, a surgical treatment but we could certainly help them with both therapies. Well, and,
3: and Dr. Sure. Downs, aren't you trained in the night lays and uh, there's a light scalpel. These are some laser procedures that you can yeah. do for both upper airway and ankyloglossia. Uh, uh,
2: night night lays is a fantastic new 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 technique for shrinking the soft palate with a erbium YAG laser and, uh, and an ND YAG laser. Now I was trained on the erbium YAG laser and uh, they've added the protocol for the uh, ND YAG laser. But it is amazing because you can shrink the tissue without cutting it. These uh, these these surgeries that the E.N.T.s have been doing, okay. removing the soft palate and 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 also widening the pharynx with a laser cutting tool, I've not seen a lot of success with that. Uh, uh, many times patients have a lot of complications with that. Mm. But when you shrink the tissue with a night lace, uh, I think you can get a, a, a really helpful adjunctive treatment. Maybe sometimes the only treatment they need. They need a touch up once a year after you've done the first uh, month long session. And then uh, I th- right. I would recommend you get treatment to uh, Harvey Schiffman and the uh, Photonolayers lasers for that particular uh, uh, modality. It's really, a really valuable. Yeah,
3: look for ankyloglossia there, Pank. So you got to look for that in all patients. It's even more impactful in children, and it's going to affect their, their tongue posture. And as uh, yeah. Dr. Dabb will tell you, Um, There's actually reimbursables for training your dental assistant or dental hygienist. They don't have to go through any formal training. Just show some basic myofunctional uh, CE. And you can actually bill possibly for myofunctional interventions. Okay.
2: Well, may I add to that, Joe? uh, The the gals that I'm working with, Primal Air, will actually, uh, excuse me, the the professionals that I'm working with, I should say, uh, will actually train your office online. For myofunctional therapy, so you can get that training okay, through my so, website. Okay, when, so like myofunctional therapy is mainly for pediatric patients, correct? Patients. Some of them can be done by your yeah. staff. Yeah. Okay, and well, it, okay. it can be used on adults too, but I primarily have been using it's it, it's children it's, right now. If I got a problem with uh, oral sleep appliance not working well i'll do it on it absolutely and, and there's there's more yep. there's more impact in,
3: in children you can actually positively affect airway development in right. children if you focus on mild functional and you'll also improve dental alignment because the arch is now wide enough to actually have to, r- room for the teeth to come in as they're developing but as adults there is some mild there's soft date it's not strong it's not uh, you know um the the big high quality randomized controlled trials of large volumes, but there is some support that if you can apply some myofunctional regular exercise, like Mm. any exercise has to be daily. You could actually reduce snoring and airway. To be honest, I'm a very um, capable mouth breather. (laughs) So Mm. I wear a small little insert on top of my dental appliance uh, called a, uh, not the typical tongue retainer, but it's just the very tip of the tongue um and it's uh, i think leslie dort's design uh dr dort's design from years ago and essentially it's a shield for the mouth it's a silicone shield that goes over the device my dental appliance underneath my lips and it absolutely makes it so i have to mutually exclusively breathe through the nose and i put the tongue the tip of the tongue in there and i'm i have ankle i have a pretty significant tongue tie. And I can still use it. But it's it's actually encouraging my tongue to stay in the roof of the mouth. And that's why another reason why I'm doing it is mm-hmm. I want no mouth breathing. I want extremely consistent nasal breathing. So my oral cavity is healthy. My bio, my, my micro, microbiome is healthy. And then secondly, I want to actively keep my tongue in that roof of the mouth for as long as I can, because that's going to keep me from getting worse over the years. If you can do a good job of addressing tongue tone and appropriate swallow and appropriate nasal breathing and not mouth breathing, you're going to reduce very likely the progression, the natural progression of sleep apnea getting worse over the years. So this is a preventative that we, no one's even talking about in the dental sleep area, Right. but uh, that's, that's like, that's like dental medicine, um, you know, 400 level course, you know, uh, we're talking the 100 level course in in, in college. uh, It can
1: easily be learned uh, online. Uh, Is that what you're saying, Dr. Rick? And it can be, it can be relatively quickly implemented in the office for the uh, pediatric patients. That's what you use most. But as Doctor uh, yes, Doctor Joe mentioned, she, uh... that he also uses, and even you mentioned, he also use. We can also use for uh, adults uh, for who are not compliant or who are not responsive to uh, the treatment. Correct.
0: Okay.
2: Let me clarify something. When I said that you could get trained in office, it's a, it's a limited training uh, that, doc, you know, the doctor, uh, the, the, the primal air can do. And you can treat things like snoring and some of these uh, exercises that will help your patients who have sleep right. treatment. Uh, the formal training uh, for your office staff who want to get proficient at it probably will need to go to a myofunctional course that, uh, is on, that's not online. Uh, but she can do some training. There's actually even um, uh, snoring oh. exercises that yeah, she yeah, teaches yeah. online on my site. You know, so you know, no, because I had that in person. Thank you for clarifying but that. But I don't want to get the, okay. get the idea so, that we um, can be completely online trained. If I understand trained,
1: correctly, uh, with uh, and there. one of you yeah. guys can correct me uh, if I'm wrong, the idea is we yeah. can use, yeah. Thank you. Uh, for example, one of your um, online homesleepstudy.com, order being a dentist, me being a dentist, uh, I can order without any physician's recommendations or any any information needed from any MD, I can simply order a sleep study for my patient from your website, onlinehomesleepstudy.com. And then uh, the sleep doctor, I believe Dr. Joe or whoever is involved, will actually pull up a report for that particular patient, yeah. right? And then that would help us or the dentist in this case, me would help me decide, Oh, the patient has mild moderate or severe sleep apnea. Right. And then finally right. we, we give him an appliance, usually MAD mandibular advancement device, um, or, uh, something of those, uh, in the, in the same line, and then do a follow-up online homesleepstudy.com. Uh, and then we're good. We, we can track it down. Is that. Yeah.
2: well let me, let me let me say something about that because joe is going to comment here real quick i use joe for interpretation oh, okay. prescriptions okay. LMNs, uh for the studies that they do online there is no there's no rule against a patient buying their own sleep study they can do that mm-hmm. with cash there's no rule I, none at all and there are many of them online but they don't but you can buy them online but you don't get joe and me okay that you don't get and for the price that we have. It is a real steal. I use two sleep appliances uh, or sleep studies. I use um, an Alice Night One and an Ares. Uh, And Joe will do the interpretation. Uh, And I also have other people who will do interpretations who are licensed in all, we have somebody licensed in all 50 states to do these diagnosis, uh, treatment plans and letter of medical necessity. So they make a prescription and now you have a, a, a sleep physician who is able to give you that that most uh, insurance companies need but about the titration joe is going to talk to you a little bit about circle ring and what we do with titration in that area before we do a final sleep study so go ahead joe and just chat a little bit about what yeah yeah
3: and and i think you know always double check with your state board on the practice act for your state because there could be a couple of them that are a little bit more restrictive but in general i think dr downs is right on target you know a patient can go out and buy for cash their own owned study with the recommendation of their dentist and of course on online com, we are there to add consultation to the value of that home study. And if it does turn out that it's positive or, you know, it reveals sleep apnea, then we can trigger the next step, which is where you'd actually obtain an official interpretation. It's a small extra fee for that. And then that'll get you access to someone who's willing to, and licensed in your state to do so. Uh, get you the letter of medical necessity, which is essentially the doctor saying, this is the prescription that I'm a, I am recommend this to treat this patient. And the dentist would then be treated kind of like a durable medical equipment company that makes custom durable medical equipment. And that gives you a lo- allowance to actually make it and fit it and then adjust it until a final assessment with another home test objectively recording how they did. So... With that being said, you still want Hmm. to potentially work with insurance in many cases. And so this will allow you to give both of those avenues a a shot. You can either do fee-for-service cash for a high deductible or someone with no insurance or someone just doesn't want to mess with it at all. They just want to treat snoring and then you can go the other route where you have access to us. And then I think what, what Dr. Downs and I are trying to say, too, is we want to be a resource for all those dentists who are like, you know what, I want to dip my toes, but I'd love to have access to experts to bounce things off of them as a value added to their service. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what we're providing. If you're dipping your toes and you don't know, well, then don't be afraid. You send them for the com get the study. When it's done and sent back to you, we can schedule a, a remote uh, Zoom and we'll discuss, we'll discuss the whole thing with you. And each time we'll handhold you on getting you better and better familiarized with this process because you need that. You need to be in contact regularly with someone who actually knows what they're doing. And that's why the Academy of Dentistry Dental Medicine talks about having mentoring. So we're going to provide mentoring for any dentist who wants to do this by interacting with us. We're actually providing mentoring to time for them to eventually apply for some of those um, credentials uh, if they ever want to go that far. But you you don't necessarily need to, right? But um, the Academy of Den- – I mean, the, the American Dental Association is saying that dentists in general, for general dental practice, should be sufficiently trained in applying oral appliances for sleep apnea, should be sufficiently trained to give a, 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 an appropriate patient-informed consent. They should be trained on the basics of home sleep testing, and they should be actually actively engaging right. in CE. Okay already. And if you're not doing that, you're not following what the ADA is saying as appropriate dental practice. And we want to make that easy for you. You know,
2: I would like to say one little thing about Medicare. Um, yes. in, uh, in Medicare, I, and Joe, you can help me with this cause they keep changing their Constantly. rules. And I think right now there's, there's much more, more, uh, telemedicine going on now. They're relaxing some of the rules, but here's the thing. Uh, From what I understand, you have to have a a, a letter from a physician or a prescription from a physician to get a home sleep study or any kind of sleep study. So if a patient goes on this uh, website and buys this with cash, sometimes I just tell them to use that to take to their PCP to get another prescription for doing a sleep study that is paid for by Medicare. And so... That might be the thing that puts them over the edge. If there's any resistance about a sleep study, if they take the HST results to their sleep uh, their, to their primary care physician, then that would be the evidence for them to go ahead and issue another sleep study that maybe is controlled by the medical facility that they're in to get to get the ball rolling and Medicare. Well, and, and on
3: top yeah. of that, you know what Rick's saying there, uh, some dentists have actually been through some training and they maybe they've, uh, they've invested in their own little home sleep monitor for their office uh, okay. and they've been actively screening. But we also provide services where we can do interpretation of that data for you mm-hmm. if, if you have your own equipment. As long as we do a really basic sort of introduction yeah. orientation with dental sleep balance, then we can provide that for you as well. Cause there's several different uh, models right now. That's why it's so confusing right now, Panks and dentistry is some folks have done a little bit of training, then they invested in a test and then they don't really know how to uh, you know, use it to the, the full level of efficiency. Maybe they don't have a good connection with the sleep doc yet. So now with the age of telemedicine and cross border uh, licensing, we can do that, especially with groups like us that are actually collecting groups of uh, sleep docs who are actually able to provide that service, uh, over state lines, you know? Um, and then of course we also have the opportunity, if you don't have, if you haven't invested in the products, uh, for, for testing, you can always refer them to us and we'll get them right back to you with, with the appropriate recommendations. And of course, guidance too. Remember, it's all about having access to a specialist, someone who's treated thousands and thousands of patients, who's already seen every uh, outcome under the sun whether it was good bad or, or or indifferent and we can give them advice to keep moving forward okay because this is very very personalized on how people respond to the therapy and like Dr. Downs was saying is we've been really blessed with being introduced to a one of the it's a very unique way to objectively monitor how your dental appliance patient is responding to the sleep apnea. Uh, I didn't have a chance to, to, to cover it, but I'm, I've remembered to do that now. It's called a circle ring. It's spelled oddly, C-I-R-C-U-L, made by Body Metrics. And it is a high-resolution pulse oximeter ring okay a ring that you can wear it's comfortable it's it looks like jewelry um if you look at look up online uh bodymetrics.com you can see what it looks like it's a it's an expandable ring that can fit several different finger sizes and it's good to be worn by several different people so we've talked to some offices where you, we say hey buy like 5 of these cuz they're only going to cost you you know a couple hundred bucks and they're very durable. They're water-resistant. Uh, you can clean them and use them on, on several different patients. So, so what I'm suggesting is is to get an added level of, of accuracy of how well your patient's being treated. You don't want to over-advance a, a, an oral appliance because now you're going to at higher risk of side effects, okay? You don't have to go that far and manage side effects. You want to try to treat them just as much as they need it. So right now, we can kind of just give them free range. Now go ahead and get your device, and I want you to adjust it over a month or two, and then we'll check back in. Well, that's, that's black box. You don't see what's going on there. But if we actually dispense a ring that's an oximeter, that's giving us what we call an ODI, an oxygen desaturation index, which is essentially an apnea score uh, based off of a little sleep graph too. So it's not just oxygen score. It's actually based off of an accelerometry-based uh, uh sleep graph and that ODI is actually being calculated over the sleep time not just monitoring time okay we could talk more about what that means later on but um, the 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 ring is really cool because not only is it not not expensive but it can be used on several different patients you can have the patient pay like a, a you know a hundred dollars 150 dollars to rent it maybe uh, or you can give it as a value added. Uh, because it's not very expensive. And you can have them actually monitor that on a nightly basis. And as they're adjusting their lower jaw forward, every morning they'll get a reading that tells them how well they're doing with their apnea score, their ODI. And so what we're trying to now, because uh, we're the one of the few – that I'm aware of that actually has had access because we had access to circle way, way in the beginning, like August of last year when they were developing it. and we were giving them some insight, um, I actually gave them some suggestions for different names, but they settled on circle. But um, but but uh, I had it way back in the 1.0 version, and now this is the uh, refined 2.0 version. Uh, and this is actually something that I'm suggesting every dental practice be considering, uh, be considering, because you can actually objectively uh, monitor how they're responding to your dental appliance. And within a month or two, you'll know are they a responder, or are they not a responder? Um, are you know this will give you some insight. Do we need to go further? you'll be a better partner in the sleep apnea management because then you can go back to your sleep doc or your ENT or whoever you're working with and say, you know what, it looks like they're doing well, they're subjectively giving some some improvements, maybe the snoring's better, but it looks like we're not meeting objectives for the airway, so what, mm-hmm. let's see if we can add things to that. And that's where I've been working uh, constantly this last year with the bongo rx which is basically a nasal insert a nasal dilator that also has an epap valve an expiratory positive airway pressure valve essentially it's a cpap device on exhalation without a machine without a pump without a mask without straps and if you can combine that with an under-treated dental appliance patient you can capture almost everybody in my in my experience so far and and, and as far as i'm aware because i was a very early adopter i am the exclusive uh i'm sorry Rick and I are the exclusive uh, dental market distributors for the Bongo RX. I've got what I believe is the largest database of patients who have been on the dental right. plants and added Bongo to it. It's about 300 patients. Uh, most folks haven't even heard of the Bongo. <laughs> but I've demonstrated some pretty really incredible – I'll give you one case study where I did a follow-up on a watch pad. Uh, We're actually working on NOX T3s now because you have to be able to look at the airway response without having something up the nose because the bongos in your nose. So I've had a couple of what I call the super-duper severe. The ones that any other sleep doc would say, you know what, this has got to be a CPAP or a BiPAP or an auto-servo-ventilatory machine. There's no way this guy is going to respond to a dental appliance. And because I've treated so many of those patients over the years successfully, I'm very confident to start with the dental appliance first. So we put the dental appliance on them. After a month or two, see how they're doing subjectively, get them on a a follow-up sleep study. If objectively they've met their goals, we've done well. If they haven't, then I've been adding the bongo to the dental appliance. I Mm. have probably 35 of the super-duper severes. I'm talking 100 AHI, which is off the Mm. charts, where they've gone from modest improvements with the dental appliance alone. Like this one example was 105 down to 60. Mm which is much better, but definitely not well treated. And we added the bongo to it, I got them down to two. Okay, now normal five or less, all right? And then what's important is this is a patient who has already been through soft palate surgery, Hmm. they've already been through CPAP of all different flavors and could not tolerate it, okay? This is not just some novice that's never had experience with CPAP that was never given the option. This is just a better, less invasive way of getting someone treated. And that's what we're trying to introduce to the dentist right now is we can start off with the, the novel, the basic stuff, which we need to do per the ADA, but we can help you grow and see more and more of these cases as a tertiary factor. Because, you know, you're, you're, you think of it like you're a primary care, you're trained in a lot of stuff. Right. You want to deal with the easy okay, stuff, no. but you always want to have backup. You want to have this ac- access to that specialist and say, Hey, Joe, Rick, I think I'm, I'm over my head here. What do I do? That's what we are.
2: Joe, tell them a little bit about. I'll, I'm sorry to interrupt. I, just one one thing follow up on the on the circle ring as a silent hypoxia detector for this yes. pandemic. That, that, that's a whole other use case.
3: So um, if you're following COVID and all the uh, intensive care uh, uh, modalities that they're trying to do to to manage these uh, pulmonary uh, complications of COVID nineteen. Um, the cytokine storm is what they're talking about, uh, where it's really destroying the alveoli sacs and causing uh, really challenges of of, of transferring oxygen, di- you know, through the uh, you know oxygen hemoglobin curve axis there. So, so, so you can't get a good oxygen, you right. know, um, uh, the the oxygen, the, the concentration in the in, in the alveolus is hard to actually get to the point where it'll actually diffuse. So, two ways that they've been two strategies that have been. Very very promising. The first one is is uh, to prone them to have them sleep on their on their stomach or lie on their stomach so they have more access to the alveoli being opened instead of collapsing. Uh, the second one would be to add add positive end expiratory pressure, which is PEEP, which is basically CPAP for the alveolus or the lungs. Mm-hmm. So remember, CPAP is PEEP, but for the upper airway. Okay, if you have CPAP, you you automatically have PEEP of some level for the alveolus, and we've been talking about these. Bongo devices as possibly being something to be tested as a take home PEEP valve. So, as you're, so say, I'll give you a scenario. Patient comes to your office, high risk COVID, they get screened, they get tested. It is COVID. They're not at the point where they need to be uh, in, admitted to the hospital. You send them home with instructions on what to do and to look for fever, look for uh, a pulse oximetry. And what we're recommending is, is you can actually send something like the, the circle ring home. And I've, I was just recently informed by Circle that they're doing a pilot study with Yale on se- doing this exact thing where they're t- sending uh, their positive COVID patients that are not to the point where they're, they're in intensive care yet. And they're sending them back home to be quarantined. And they're actually monitoring them remotely because you can do remote mm-hmm. monitoring of, of, of their oxygen levels uh, from, the, from your own facility as they're wearing this Circle Wing. They can actually mm-hmm. upload that to a dashboard online. And you can see how their oxygen levels are doing throughout the whole day and during sleep, because this is a Fitbit essentially for your finger, but with pulse oximetry. And so now you can monitor them regularly. And if you see them declining and that's one of the early symptoms before you feel shortness of breath or or dry cough, uh, very likely you're going to see a change in your pulse oximetry because of the change in how you're getting that. Uh, the oxygen hemoglobin disassociation curves not working like it typically would okay. because of the injury to the alveolus. Now you can early intervene and say, hey, it looks like you're having some changes. Let's watch you closely. Let's have you prone. Um, I think uh, Rick's got a product uh, and, and I have got a product that actually will yep. will tell you the snore, dot rcom will tell you to stay on your stomach by a vibration feedback system. If you end up on your side of your back, right. it'll vibrate on you until you realize it, and wake up enough to say, okay, I got to get back on my stomach. And then the second way to treat that is to actually wear one of these bongos. Now, remember, bongos are a prescription device, and we can offer that. We If you think that you're worried and you want to use this off-label, because remember, this is not an on-label uh, indication. But it's 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 valid because it is a peep valve. If you have someone who wants a prescription, it's it's totally appropriate to to prescribe um, uh, for snoring, mild or moderate sleep apnea per the FDA indication. And you can have that handy as someone who's concerned uh, of COVID progression and have that at home. And you can start wearing that 24-7 actually, because that's what they would do in the hospital, is they'd have you wear a peep valve to Open those alveolar sacs there. So there's two different strategies that we can offer our patients uh, as 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 if they get diagnosed and we need to monitor them. We can not just say go home and if you get bad, come into the hospital. No, there's things you can actually do to early intervene and help them avoid that progression. Because right now the data is not good on ventilation. Right. If so you're on ventilation,
1: I have it's to, been It's yeah. getting better. So I think I have to. But initially, it was uh, like eighty percent. We've about once you're on a ventilator, it's very bad. Social uh, here. You're, you're, you're uh, bad. But let's, let's. I know uh, it's pretty easy for you to, uh, you know, uh, but for the audience, they, I have to make sure that they underst- understand. So a patient comes in, we get the home sleep study done, we give them MAD, mandibular advancement device or something, some nature. And then in this whole process, we continue giving him, hey, you know what? Give me another 100 box, give me a 150 box, or even as an added device, take this ring, circle oximeter ring, that ring, which I can potentially continue uh, checking on uh, every day, uh, how how the results are coming with the the device given to the patient, whether it is really working or not, right? So...
0: Okay, so right, right. So I, it's a it's I, a triter- I, I it's a
1: titration it. device. We're, we're not, and the, you know, on top of that, if you believe it that okay, it's still device, not working, it's there, but it's still not there it. yet. Sure. That at that time is when we can use Bongo, uh, which is uh, like a like a positive air pressure device for in the nostril. I did look at the video of that. I uh, will post that link on the show notes, um uh, so that people can at least see how actually that works. So and with the bongo and circle, the so circle would be a titration device. Right. Bongo would be like an extra layer above MAD, which helps them get into the zone um, where it helps reducing down their snoring, reducing down their uh, complications of sleep apnea, uh, and so on.
0: Okay. Okay.
2: Exactly. exactly
0: right, exactly.
3: Pink's, and what, what what I've been calling this, and I've been I I, I monikered this back in 2005 when I started combining dental appliances with CPAPs right. to lower the pressure yeah. in the very severes. That was what got me thinking about this sort of combination sort of uh, strategy. I call it hybrid therapy, and 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 so if you hybridize the mandibular advancement device. Uh, With a bongo or a CPAP or soft palate surgery or laser like uh, we were talking about with Katana or with myofunctional therapy or with side sleep, these are what we call hybridized or modularly adding on therapies to your foundation, which I think – in my opinion, oral appliances should be first and center in dentistry because you're always looking at managing yeah. the bruxism. Yeah. You're managing airway health. You're trying to, that's what you're an expert in. That's what you should offer them because that's what patients want. That's what's been the best studied so far as far as a dental option. Hello. And then you add these things as a, as a modular improvement based on what the patient is willing to do. Okay. Now that's sure. also along no. with weight loss. Once someone starts to feel better, and they're motivated. Now, They're even if you're only partially treated the dental appliances this is what's so awesome about oral appliances, is subjectively, patients go, it's, it's like almost always a home, home run. Almost always they're coming back saying, I'm feeling better. I have uh, an improvement in my snore pattern. I have actually, uh, I'm getting, you know, I'm feeling more rested during the day. So, uh, so.
2: They also say I can lose yeah, weight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because they have the energy, their metabolism is better. So just don't forget, once you get them feeling better. Cortisol cortisol levels are reduced, and that's causing fat. Absolutely. It's a hormone problem. It's not calories in, calories out.
3: We're realizing that. I'll give you an example. If you're not breathing well at nighttime. With sleep apnea, that's going to increase your stress hormones. Yeah. yeah. And I can, give, I can get anyone to gain 10 pounds in one week without doing anything with their calories in, calories out. Let's give them a, a prednisone for, for 10 days, and they're just going to you know, blow it up there. That's because there's the factor that stress hormones actually cause you to be more... A conservative with your calorie expenditure. It actually lowers your metabolic rate and causes a whole downstream effect of, of saying, Hey, we need to ho- we need to be very, very diligent about what we're burning here. Let's hold on to what we got. Um, and so if you okay. get them feeling yeah, better with that's the initial response, with the so clients, okay. Now you I think add things uh, I to it, like to emphasize loss the importance of
1: hypertherapy, so that, uh, working with you guys, um, that you're not only using one tiny bit of sleep apnea Mm -hmm. uh, which is like only i'm gonna give you a device go home no you we have uh we have a circle we have bongo we have myofunctional device uh research and myofunctional therapy we have Mm -hmm. uh you know night lays uh and soft tissue surgical procedures uh we and we have other procedures Mm -hmm. uh, and that's the reason this hybrid therapy is so and basically, you can titrate the whole sleep apnea uh, and for the patients, even for moderate cases, if I understand correctly. Yeah. Oh, you think so? Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay.
2: Yeah, I think it even for In I think
1: I, we should send one kit. To uh, and also, uh, even
2: insomnia, we have training <laughs> for insomnia now. We yeah. need to get into that too. Okay.
0: Right.
2: And, no we're talking about something online now (laughs) i wish i had a feel that's right that's right but we do have a solution for that yeah
3: yeah we we do we do And and, and
2: that i'm glad you you highlighted that
3: pinks because you want to think about this as the guidelines say with oral appliances it's been shown snoring Mild, moderate is, are the guidelines, but with our experience, or clinical experience, we're finding that by adding these things on, you can treat even the majority of severe patients, and as long as you're doing yeah. that under the tutelage and monitoring of a sleep doctor like us, or we can help you get connected with someone locally, we're very good about making those connections. Then you can you can comfortably you. start to educate these other you. clinicians about this offering. I, I can guarantee you, your sleep doctor in your area has no clue what Bongo does because no. it's so new, and they have they have no clue what it <laughs> does in combination with the oral appliance. And we can help them learn that.
2: Yeah, that's very very important. Yeah, but if, if their nasal passages aren't open. they're got, yeah. Yeah, your your bongo. Well, well,
3: yeah, uh, you yeah, got, well, and this is very important. So the bongo, what's what's different than what came before the bongo was something called the Provent, and the Provent is the initial EPAP or Expiratory Positive Airway Pressure valve. It's basically a, a stop valve that partially occludes when you exhale to cause pressure. So the problem with the Provent is is it actually had a very high, you know, it was like twenty something centimeters of water pressure, which is like ventilator pressures. You know, in a CPAP, you might see 10 or 11 or 12 on average. So that's very uncomfortable. But also it did nothing for improving nasal intake. And what Bongo did is they actually made it so it goes inside the nostril and it actually improves the nasal intake like a Breathe Right strip. And that's very important too. We haven't talked about that yet. We have to be very proactive about encouraging good nasal flow. I actually do one other thing with my airway, with my dental appliance and my tongue retainer, I actually wear something called a nasal aid, which we also provide discounts on. It's a little nasal insert that will open up the outside nasal uh, nostrils, the the nasal valve, so it won't collapse when you breathe in. And it stays in place nicely, there's no paste, there's no weird uh, silicone inserts, it stays in really impressively. It's uh, essentially a prong. Uh, Think of it like almost like a, a rubber covered paperclip almost, and it, it it works almost 200 times better than a breathe right strip at improving nasal flow. So if you have improved nasal flow, you're gonna improve the snoring treatment of your dental appliance. You're gonna reduce dry mouth. <clears throat> so if you reduce dry mouth, you'll have healthier uh, gum tissue. And there's one more thing I wanted to read on improving nasal flow. There's actually really, really good data on overall health with nasal flow. If I can read this off just for a second here, so if you can encourage nasal flow, you're going to get some really impressive uh, downward, uh, downstream effects here. So the benefits of enhanced nitric oxide productivity by nasal breathing, because it passes by the uh, by the sinus passages, um, it will actually improve oxygen delivery past the capillaries and the surrounding alveoli, which will cause vasodilation and increase in, in expanding the basal uh, the, the alveolar uh, vessels, so they can improve oxygen and Uh, carbon dioxide exchange. So then you're going to have, because of this vasodilating effect related to the NO, it leads to increased oxygen uptake a reduction in pulmonary vascular resistance and arterial oxygenation. And I've really gotten extremely pro nasal flow because I was the worst oral mouth breathing offender for all of my life. And that's why I'm dealing with this airway problem in the beginning, because as a child, I was the mouth breather, I was chronic allergy, I had the ear problems, I had the tonsils out. Correct. Um, Correct. I had the ADD, okay. so, you know, all um, those things. That we did a if, study, uh, if I saw that in a child, we, I would automatically give
1: gave them a mandibular advancement device. Yeah, that's right. um, and now on top of that, we have circle to titrate, we have bonga to add on to mild to moderate cases. And as Dr. Joe says, we can even do on the severe cases. Um, what's the timeline that I'm looking at, uh, you know, starting from you know, talking to the patient, you know, let's say we have the best case scenarios, patient is ready, no money issues, nothing. So the patient comes to me and he says, all right, we educated, patient's very motivated, wants to do it. What is the timeline for the patient from that first visit to being comfortable, let's say he's mild to moderate, uh, in getting a device and what is the how much of the time of a dentist is uh, goes back and forth between explaining to the patients and so on? Are you understanding? I'm trying to understand. I'm trying to understand. Right. Uh, the, yeah. Yeah.
3: You you want to know how, how much time does it take to get this implemented in, in general dental practice? Uh, And what to tell the patient. Yeah. Great question. Great question. Um, So basically, once you give a little training to your dental hygiene team and a dental assistant, you include the screening and you're comfortable saying, hey, I can see the bruxism. I can't see the back of your throat. You got high blood pressure. You know, you keep, you know, breaking off my crown. You're getting screened. Okay. Mm -hmm. So to get a study back, it's probably within about a a week and a half there. A week week and a half right now. Do uh, send us, yep, send us the out. order, we mail it out to them, we give them instructions, they do it uh, for a night, they send it back, we get you that result and we can review it with you. And then once you have that study, say it's all covered by insurance, typically it'll take about a day for, verifi- maybe a couple of minutes for verification of the benefits. Authorization sometimes takes a, a week or two if you're gonna do insurance. If you're gonna do, and th- before then you can actually grab the impression and the bite registration, uh, for the device and depending, yep, yep.
0: often,
3: <clears throat> and then you're going to, yep. you're going to, um, uh, uh, you know, depending on how comfortable you are with that insurance company, if you see, if you say, as long as I follow these rules, even though I'm going to wait for the authorization, cause you have to get the authorization before you fit them with a device. You can actually start the process with your local dental lab or your your, your sleep apnea dental appliance uh, uh, provider there uh, because there's more and more of those guys out there. And, and just in, in, in full disclosure, I am a manufacturer of a PDAC approved dental appliance that's actually 3D printed, uh, which I'm really excited about. And uh, in, in my case, you could literally just email uh, our participating dental labs that have carbon printers. And email them the STL files from your CAT, your, your comb beam, or from your scanner. Or if you scan in a, a model onto a, dabble, t- a desktop a scanner, uh, send that uh, in, in occlusion. And then it'll be printed up and back to you in a week and a half. Uh, some places are really, really backed up because they're short-staffed. And so some of these places, I'm hearing, are up to six to eight weeks to get the b- appliances back. So um, in that case, then... then so, so you started it, you got the, the diagnosis, uh, you got the impressions, You. it's been probably about three weeks, you're ready to actually fit them. And then once you're wearing it, we're going to train uh, the dentist and be available to help them learn how to, how, to, how to explain, actually on smg2.net, not .com, that's the wrong one, but sleep medicine group or smg2.net, we actually have a video of how to... Um, explain basically informed consent on a trial device. So if you don't even want to explain it to them, you just go to our website, click that, have, have them watch that for okay. three minutes. And okay. they've been given the whole full informed consent and what to expect as a patient getting used to this, because there is about mm-hmm. a week breaking in period. Okay. So, so when you first start this, I always tell the patients, you're going to love this thing, but and the first week, you're not going to like it that much.
2: As working, working with chiropractors, I tend to send, my patients to a chiropractor is immediately after they get their appliance to help them get used to the appliance. They can help with the TMJ soreness, the muscles and the forward head posture that accompanies this problem. So we're using them and not just that way. Well, and that's
3: that's above and beyond. Now, that's not the guidelines. It's just something that we've learned over time. If the patient has time and energy and wants to have the least amount of side effects down the road, clinically, we found that if we can get them adjusted by their chiropractor uh, craniosacrally and adjust the, the palate so the sutures are all in alignment, once the impression is done at the dental office, hopefully that same day, then you'll actually support that that uh, balanced cranial sacral uh, okay. axis, and then you're not fighting what's happened uh, related to bruxism. Now again, that's that's way above and beyond. That's because we're advanced clinicians. We've been doing this for a lot of years. We see the benefit in doing that. But typically what's going to happen in most places is you'll just grab impressions and then send them off to the dental lab and then start fitting them. And then what you want to do, and, and what we're suggesting, what I'm doing in my own office, and so is uh, Dr. Downs, is we actually have them take that circle ring home. And over that next month or so, I tell them to basically take their time, only adjust if the jaw is feeling comfortable, and if they're recovering their bite in the morning. Okay, and that's very important. You want them to recover their occlusion, their, their habitual occlusion, whatever they've got, you want them to, to recover that within an hour. Don't have them go at it right away because sometimes they can aggravate the muscles by going at it right away. But if you can do it within an hour and uh, they're not having any discomfort or mi- minimum discomfort, after about a week or two weeks, they can then adjust further until they feel like they've reached a subjective treatment goals. And within about a month, month and a half, you'll have them back in your office to see how they're doing. Now, if they're having problems, just give them the opportunity to come in earlier or do it maybe a telemedicine. That's what I'm doing right now is I'm just having them give me a telemedicine if there's a problem. And I can actually visualize what's going on. Maybe there's a contact issue. Maybe they're not putting it on right. Mm-hmm. There's a lot. Of,
2: I tell them this. Okay. I tell them this. Uh, I, I, I'm pretty, pretty aggressive about them knowing that they're gonna have bite changes. Okay, and and I personally don't have the bite I used to have. I hit quite a bit on the anterior teeth. I had a four bicuspid extraction, restricted my tongue space. I'm sure it made the sleep apnea worse. And I'm trying to get my jaw back to, I think, where it wants to be. It wants to be further forward and the occlusion needs to be changed permanently. And I tell the patients that could happen. And then I'm very I'm, I'm, yeah, upfront. That, that's a very forward-thinking
3: way of, of thinking about occlusion. And I I, I will uh, second that opinion. Clinically, I see that folks have had retraction uh, of the face with with headgear um, or extensive orthodontia early on with wires and brackets or, or extraction orthodontia. They have been forced into a more restricted occlusion. And then once you actually start to relieve that airway restriction with the mandibular advancement device, inherently they have to be very active about managing their occlusion if they don't want it to change because they're inherently ready to change uh, the overbite overjet. But that's actually in their betterment. You know, overall, yeah, the airway okay. and the muscles are going to be happier more forward. Now, that brings us into a whole other conversation called uh, pal expansion. Uh <laughs> right. and uh I've been through that myself many 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 years ago I was um very interested in um epigenetic changing of the the uh, maxillary arch I actually wore a DNA as well as a, a device by uh, Ted Belfer in New York I think David Singh and Ted Belfer have done a lot, most of the education on uh yeah. epigenetic right. uh, sort of ex- uh growth and development in adults in in, 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 arch development. Now, mind you, I have an, uh, an ankylosed, uh, deciduous tooth. Um, and at that point I jumped right into it and Dave wasn't very aware of it and neither was Ted, but if you've got an implant or, right. uh, ankylosed, to, you know, a, a, a tooth that's not, you know, it's, it's basically fossilized in the bone, you're probably going to have asymmetric growth. Um I wore that for gosh almost a year and a half because I don't mind experimenting on myself. As long as I don't have to cut myself open, I'm I'm fine. <laughs> um
2: I'll take care yeah, of your yeah, time, but, Joe. But that changed yeah, thank you.
3: That, that that changed my bite is not the appliance, and I've worn an appliance for 15 years, but um but the actual expansion of the Maxilla had a lot more change than the mandible. Um so you have to go in this with open eyes. There's still a lot to be said on, on patient selection and treatment planning when it comes to these epigenetic devices. Um, it's going to change bites. It's going to be hit or miss yeah. on who's a good responder or not because it's such a small group of people so far that have been trained in it. And I've been looking at this since the very, very beginning, and I'm a big fan of it. I think it should be more uh, used in the children actively. That's why I think the Myobrace and things like these epigenetic uh, trainers yeah. like the ALF um, the Nordstrom uh, has done the Alf uh, work on on light wire. Uh, some of these implant secured expanders I'm very excited about, where you can have rapid movement of the uh, the palate okay. with If you put a, a yeah. rapid palate expander onto a a temporary implant in, in in the maxilla, so there's some really exciting things there. But just know that they're extremely expensive. It's not indicated by the E-0486. The E-0486 is the code you use with most uh, uh, pairs for mandibular advancement therapy. That is
1: not indicated by most policies. If you look at Uh, policies right now, if you have expansion or any of those things, that is not what it defines. Mandibular protrusion is what it's defining. Okay, every dentist. Now, 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 the next question is um, about... The important thing you said, the verification and the benefits of the insurance companies. Uh, Some people who have high deductible, it's not worth their time to go through the insurance. It's it's like they're paying out of pocket anyways, right? Right? So that's one aspect of it. Do you think it's very insurance-driven procedure? And that is probably the reason it's not being popular enough.
2: That's right.
1: Please do. That's what you're here for. Can I give you my opinion on that?
3: Um, it, it, in Portland, we, again, we have a very streamlined process. I'm sleep slash dental sleep. Cause I've been through a fellowship also in dental sleep with our provider who's board certified, you know, one of the few <laughs> sleep docs that I'm familiar that I'm aware of, um, uh, I'm also probably one of the few sleep docs that actually knows how to make a retainer on three shape <laughs> because I'm a dental device manufacturer, but, um, and, and hold uh, patents in that area. But um, so, so in my, pri- my primary business is a sleep specialty clinic interdisciplinary in Portland, Oregon. We have, for over a decade, have been doing direct-to-consumer marketing. Yes, we get uh, referrals from dentists who don't want to do it uh, themselves, but are screening for it. Yes, we get referrals from sleep specialists, rarely, that have have their patients are failing CPAP. Mostly, it's direct-to-consumer through our advertising that we've got a whole library of that we can start sharing with other people in other areas because it works very well. And um, it's word of mouth, still after all these years— Almost 50% of our patients are word of mouth. Hey, this patient was happy on how we dealt with the insurance and how they're responding. And they've been talking about the snoring and now they're back. Okay. Okay? And nowadays, since I've been doing this so, so long, we know that most patients need a new one every two or three years and the insurance will cover that. (laughs) So a lot of my patients are repeat customers because if you look at a dental
2: device after it's been worn for several years, it's stinky. It does not yeah. taste good. Well, <laughs> if, if you don't put it in oracle that's right. Anyway, that's right. Uh, hey, don't you don't see this business? Come on, I, don't I'm see this, I'm this, I'm this business. I'm the founder of <laughs> products, and uh, we use oracle And my 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 appliance is I've had for like seven years. It doesn't stink. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Don't, don't mess my business yeah. up there. I want to say something else. I want to say something else else about insurance. Um, I'm I'm entertaining the idea more and more now. Of going in network with certain companies, I think it can really change your life. I mean, there's right. delays, pranks uh, when you ask for gap coverage and and you're going and you're not uh, and you're out of network. They'll find every way they can to keep you from being approved or paying you. And uh, I'm thinking now. I'm not saying this is a blanket statement because I know I've talked to Joe about this. Some some of them have very low reimbursements. But I'm thinking, on average, we might be better off doing more in-network treatment. It's much a smoother process, very, very fast, and it may be worth the hassle, uh, the no hassle to go in.
3: If someone's considering that, they can come to us and we can do an evaluation of their market, and that's going to be very appropriate because every state's a little different. In my state, I'm not going to do that because I'm just a sleep apnea guy. I am not a dentist. And uh, we'll talk later, uh, possibly if we have time, but been doing some incredible stuff with, with medically indicated dental surgeries and getting that covered through yes. medical insurance. And that's a, that's a different conversation we should probably have because a lot of dentists will be very interested on how to access in-network medical
2: Yeah, I, I've gotten reimbursements for, um, I do a lot of complex implant and uh, grafting oh, wow. surgery. And if you're grafting, doing anything with bone, you can get medical coverage, and it can be right, significant. So, uh, I've had my, even seventy-five thousand yeah. dollars payments from medical for medical. Yeah, them, and that for should them. be a whole other
3: podcast because yeah. I'm telling you, people are going to be really, really interested. Right. Yeah. But, but let let right. let, me, let me finish up, thanks on on the insurance thing real fast. Sorry mm-hmm. to interrupt. So. So in my office, and again, this has been over a decade, consistent volume here. So the beginning of the year, you're absolutely right. Deductibles are high. Less patients are willing to get into it because there's more in a pocket. But my average uh, appliance fitting is about 60 to 70 from a a month uh, for two docs and four four technicians that we've trained to help us with the fitting and adjustments. Uh, We also have 10 uh, staff for all the paperwork. So this is a very large, uh, heavy Expend, expend expenditure FTE if you're going to be serious about yeah. high-volume stuff. If you, if anyone tells yeah. you you can get 20 right. to 80 device deliveries a month without investing heavily in, in staff, don't go there. Do, do mm-hmm. not go there. Do not, you have to know that if you're going to be a high-volume practice, you need to have a guy like me that's going to be doing immediate sleep diagnostics and, and intake. You need a, a dentist that's w- well-trained in it um you need clinicians uh, technicians who are dental assistants that have been very well trained to to deal with some of the impressions and some of the adjustments and some of that factor uh sleep study uh, uh dispensing if you're going to do that in the office And then you have to, again, depending on where you're at, we've been very good about managing our insurance benefits. And so in many cases, we are in-network if it's an appropriate allowable, but if it's not, we would much rather negotiate that even though it's more effort because we're gonna get more um, reimbursement in the long run, even though it's gonna take weeks. I mean, sometimes it could take months To get reimbursement, right. but if you've done it long enough and you can reliably factor that into your business model, then great. But just know that if you're going to be a big time, you know, and and, and this is the the final point that I'm trying to make. Right. here, By the end of the year, because deductibles yeah. have been met, we market that. You know, we, we market that awareness to people. Hey, it's it's September, October, November. Oh, uh, wow. Get in here. Your deductibles have been met. If you're doing that, you can capture. I, I, I've had months where we've seen 300 deliveries in December. That's an incredible, I mean, I would, and this is consistent uh, over the years. So uh, the average at the end of the year, probably November and and December is probably a couple hundred. That is unheard of and that I am aware of in other places because you don't have hybrid practices making that streamline because it's very time intensive and you have to have a team willing to kind of move all that paperwork as fast as possible when it's needed. So yes, insurance is probably appropriate at the end of the year it's worth the aggravation of verifying and pushing authorizations and dealing with denials because you got more capture. But in the beginning of the year, if you know that there's poor coverage, then yeah, fee for service, um, flex spending accounts. That's very, very important. Just know that if someone wants you to spend a lot of money to become a high volume practice, uh, just know it's a lot that goes into it.
1: Or, uh, uh, you know, some established dentists who really want to get into, uh, you know, starting of tennis, uh, sleep apnea in their offices, they're really not looking into high volume for now. Maybe if they're successful with uh, your game, I think um, with your way of doing it, probably in the long run, yes, they might be. Um, uh, now going on, continuing uh, continuing on the insurance, because money is the thing which, uh, getting money from the medical department, from the medical insurance is so hard to get uh I've talked to so many dentists and I you know what, man, I don't want to do it. I really don't want to do it. Um, uh, There was another guy. I said, how are you doing it? He's only doing a few of them cases. And he says, only fee for service. That's it. They pay for it. I don't have to worry about insurance. But if people are really, people really want to take advantage of this whole um, our, our session, I, what is the range of insurance you know uh, a cost of such a device i know i'm asking a range uh from diagnosis to delivery of the appliance um what is the cost of insurance that covers like for the crown we could say 700 bucks to uh 1100 bucks right on average more or less um you know fee for service could be 2000 3000 it's it's all your game but what is the range of cost of such a device from the diagnosis, the whole procedure, one patient on average between different insurances?
3: Well, if you're talking Medicare, it's 1290 for the device
2: reimbursement. Yeah. Yeah. About, about, about $1,100. And- 50 in yeah,
3: and that that's exactly right. It, it, it's going to vary based on your D mark uh, uh, area, basically your, divi- your, your your division of um, Medicare management systems. Um, and some insurance companies are following that. If you're in network, sometimes they're trying to squeeze you down to okay. 800, 900. So what we're encouraging folks to do is don't let them negotiate you down because insurance companies have a lot of tactics to negotiate yeah. you down. If yeah. you do that, we're all going to go down to the level of a TMJ device where you have a one time lifetime expense for 500 bucks or
2: something dumb, yeah. you know? So, If you get one of those forms from the, uh, from the outside second party that wants to negotiate your fee don't. down, be uh, very careful. I wouldn't um, do it. And then sometimes if you do it once they establish that fee as your fee, and all of a sudden, you're getting all of them reimbursed at that level. It's not a good idea. I've had I've had some cons- wow. some insurances banks that will pay me uh, even more than seventy five hundred dollars for uh, oral appliances. Yeah, and all all the range in between. It's and, it's and, and that's likely to out to of know network though too, because
3: you can actually establish your own rates as an out of network provider, <clears throat> and uh, and you can justify what your reimbursement should be. So that's a case <laughs> by case. Um, that's what we're trying to, you know, get out there yeah. and tell people that we are a resource there. These questions you're going to have every day as you see a, a, a patient and you're like, I need to bounce this off of somebody. And, and hopefully what, what what's going to end up here in the long term is uh, Dr. Downs and I will have a nice study club where maybe once right. every few weeks we can gather frequently asked questions and review those. And then what we'll do is we'll develop an archive of commonly asked questions and put them under titles, you know. Uh, authorization problems or reimbursements with this so, with this um, company. If I understand or correctly, let's management. say the average if we, we could do that, it'd be uh, so so Medicare, um, I think transformative um, for the for the, the novice uh, patients.
1: Uh, do you think it could be higher or for like for a dental dental? I don't know uh, what are the medical insurances like Anthem, Blue Cross, or whatever. Do you think let's say even if we even if I say 1200 bucks for that, what is the laugh fees that the patient sorry the dentist accrues to do such a procedure?
3: That, that's a great question. And and that's where things are heading right now is more and more expensive. I think a lot of dental lab uh, sleep apnea companies, you're seeing a trend where they're going more digital and uh, sophisticated, but then the price is going up as well. And some of these digitally made devices okay. uh, are running in this four, high 400s, 500s, 600s of dollars based on what you're choosing. Um, I think a right. lot of dentists are choosing price. Uh, I think if you look at the uh, the average dentist is probably fitting an Emma because you can get those for a couple hundred dollars up to three hundred bucks uh, depending on what what features you have on it. A tap is probably going to run you the high three hundreds. Somnid Med I think you're starting to go high four hundreds, five hundreds depending on what it is. Yeah, sure. um,
2: I'm paying about three hundred seventy dollars for a. A, uh, you know, a dorsal appliance. A dorsal
3: appliance. Yeah, a dorsal I, appliance. Uh, I know yeah. there's uh, other other companies right. that actually have their own uh, brand of dorsal wings. So Sonomage is very well known. They've marketed internationally. So they have a brand uh, name it recognition. Uh, I know Oventus yeah. has got a nylon sort of hmm. uh, version of an elastic mandibular advancement device that they, are, they have got FDA approved, I believe. That's, okay. you know, because it's nylon and 3D printed, it's going to last you longer. I think uh, theirs mm-hmm. might be running Gosh, in this uh, five six hundred dollars maybe. Uh, in, in our right. office, uh, we use uh, mostly our devices right. because they're newer. As far as they're kind of a two, right. 2. configuration. As you do more and more dental appliances, you'll realize there's aspects that, that patients like. They like small. Yeah. They like mobility. Yeah. Many cases, they like uh, right. being able to you know have tongue you know movement and lick their lips and whatnot. Um, and they don't like bulky. And and so so what I've done with our devices is we have a an Emma type device that's coming up here pretty quick. We have our Sleep App Advance, which is also a pulling device with a little nylon, uh, not not nylon but Del, Delrin straps that very, very strong sort of series of longer right. to shorter straps that are actually secured by a stainless steel screw. So you can adjust the actual tension of the jaw. You can make it kind of tight like a monoblock for those really active people, or you can loosen it basically, basically, you know, maybe someone's got a history of TMJ, you want to have a lot of movement in, okay. in that case, you know, maybe that one particular type of TMD, you think it's appropriate to have movement, you can adjust that. And that's the only one I'm aware of that you can actually do that and we're also doing it with comfort materials like the key splint where you can it's a really cool material and and so does um uh uh okay so I'm, I'm has their to, own the reason i'm asking uh, all those because are all it says, fda approved
1: uh, uh, sure three D for is. Yeah. digital dentistry um profitable you know uh, uh, all statistics uh, statistics are all good but if it's not profitable for a dentist they're not going to do it you know uh and obviously the headache, you know, if I have to be scared of Medicare coming to audit me someday, in the next three years, five years, right, right. I'm screwed. I mean, audit means they're just looking for money. That's the bottom line. That's my definition. Oh yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Mm. Well,
0: I'm out, I'm out
2: of the Medicare uh, risk bucket. I I got kind of. Disapp- disillusioned by them too, <laughs> Pinks. And uh, the thing is, I wow. was doing—I I was oh, wow. dis- distancing myself from that. And I got a two years ago. I got a letter from Medicare. No, they I think me. I think they wouldn't find anything wrong terrible. with your you, product. No. we are not doing it. So are not like, doing enough. What? Go, you got to be okay. kidding me! You're dropping me because I wasn't doing enough. That's right. Like, no, that's right. they're wasting money on This is crazy. Well, and, and I
3: think <laughs> that's, that's a good point. Audits are uh, are real a real thing. We've been saying this for since the very beginning, back in oh five. If you if you get to be, a, be a big enough fish, even
2: you need to know how to yeah, do soap yeah. notes. Even really the insurance well. companies are going to audit
3: yeah. you for your soap notes. And if you don't do a good job yeah. su- uh, supporting your soap notes, they're going to ask for their money back, even though it's not fraudulent. You just didn't do a good job on yeah. your end backing up your claims.
2: They're going to ask you to pay that money back. Yep. Diagnose, yeah you got to diagnose and you got to have and with a doctor, Medicare. That's concerning that's because right.
3: Medicare can bring criminal charges against you. And that's why I, I'm the same way. I'm not a big got Medicare no. provider so of dental appliances. So the think, only reason why I bring up Medicare our, our, uh, is because insurance the, companies the refer the to Medicare when everything has decisions. to be
1: changed because I'm not I got a big the number fan. 1290, um, yeah. by Joe yeah. and 1150 by uh, Dr. Rick in Iowa for Medicare. That's just an example I understand, but that's the reason I was asking, uh, what would be a a ballpark number that I can find out and try to see how much each dentist is able to save? I'm not, nobody can point out how much you're making. Uh, Hmm.
3: No, that's a great that's a great point. That's a great point. So, so it has to be PDAC approved, right? So, there's a couple of them out there. There's the Herbs that's been around for a long time. The Tap, uh, again, I think yeah. depending on who you go for your Herbs, uh, what flavor it is, it could be anywhere between. Uh, three hundred bucks or five hundred bucks for the, your type of herbs. The suad, the really, really bulky ones, uh, right. that are really sturdy. Those are going to be more expensive. The taps again, depending on what type of tap you pick, I think they could be in the low three hundreds to high uh, mid four hundreds.
2: Depending well, on what you put on the dream tap is a little more expensive. Yeah. I like
3: the dream. Uh, it's our device, uh, depending yeah. on what you add to it, because we have little connectors you can add for uh, like the bongo, uh, yeah. which is kind of cool, or CPAP connectors. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to so, run you for the the uh, SADV. Uh, In general, depending on some of the digital stuff, it'll probably run you in the the high 400s. Still very, very well priced because it's very durable. Uh, Uh,
1: Nylon uh, and 3D printed materials that includes one of your sleep app uh, um, devices, which is pretty good. Uh, One of those Emma type devices, or even TAP. No, we nobody wants to get into Medicare. That's what my understanding is, right? Well, no, so the that's gone. The that was just only to get Medicare the numbers. Proof, so you now
3: uh, use that for Medicare. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> and and sorry to right. repeat, so but our, I'm just saying, type is a good will number. Be, uh, the way I see out in, you know, in a few months, uh, and that's going
1: to be it's more priced or, in the, or, the 300s. including Bongo or not Bongo okay. or Somnomet, which is four hundred bucks. Tap is three fifty, anyways. Yeah. So let's say uh, a little on the higher end, four fifty, and instead of twelve hundred, which is the Medicare number I was told told about, let's say uh, fourteen hundred. Is that re- reasonable for a for a private insurance? Um,
0: All right. Oh, yeah. so I mean, a lot of times you so probably on average get
3: about twenty six hundred dollars to three thousand, uh, right. depending the on the time of year.
1: Of, you know a lab cost or high. So pretty much a dentist is making. Am I right in understanding? If everything goes well, of course uh, they're making two thousand a patient uh, in 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 net. I mean, of course there, there are expenses of uh, the you know uh, the lab. cost, yeah. Right, right. And yeah. well yeah, I'm I'm presuming you're giving me a better quality sleep back device so, and, know, if it lasts me. And you got pre you orders every two to three right? years. Uh, so I'm saying yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs>
0: people still
3: want backups though you know they want backups uh, say they have a lot of dental work that's extensive there's other other reasons they're dog it. <laughs> there's other reasons why they're going to want a backup and i gotta tell you when someone gets used to these things they get a little really nervous like yeah. doc can i get yeah. an extra one as a backup yeah. And I gotta tell you, that's the yeah. neat thing about these yeah. digital flows because now you've archived the models yeah. Yeah. digitally. And My you, understanding is it's gonna be more so affordable. W- we, but, you know, we're, for we're all do the trouble, uh, uh, presuming that everything goes dentist, well. So that's gonna right. be helpful I'm too. not
1: going with any uh, hitches. Um, it takes almost three months to pretty much make and go back and forth between one patient starting from. The initial diagnosis to all the way delivering the appliance and including the follow-up am i right saying that so in right so so let's say five visits yeah I, I would say an average net. of four of course, visits there four, four visits, to five visits their uh, salary that you time, have to pay to uh, open up lot. the office yeah. and you know things like that but that is that is for everything including the crown including the invisalign or whatever so as long as they're doing it, it, it could be a very profitable uh, procedure. I'm talking only about the finances. Um,
3: oh yeah, and I want I want you to be aware of this and the, and everyone needs to be of notice here if you're using a single arch occlusal splint, it's been noted already on several studies that 50% of patients will have a worsening of their apnea with That's a right. single arch splint because it slides the lower the mandible back and worsens it. So if you're just putting bruxism splints on people willy-nilly because it's cheap and easy, you're actually going to get in trouble eventually because the data is not supporting that. The data supports you get away from bruxism guards mm. and you treat airway. Okay. Think of bruxism as an airway symptom. If you're doing bruxism guard and you're getting the information. And I think this is where the ADA is going. If you get an adequate amount of sleep related education in good, you know, you can't as a dentist practicing dentistry, you can't actually be doing what you're doing currently. You can't give them a bruxism guard because you're probably going to be hurting at least one in two people if you do that. Okay. So that's, that's one of those things, those zingers you're, you're talking about. Uh, so if Dan is God. doing that in the very, very uh, near future, Yeah, you
1: just
2: know
3: that right. you're at one and, and two are going to be is, worse off so
1: health-wise. Now, uh, what is about um, the letter of no medical nighters. necessity? That's not How is that comes right into now? picture with the verification or the benefits into the game? okay
3: oh yeah we made that very simple yeah. so once so say you do a test with online and you just want to do it as a screener essentially you know the patients you know just you're right. checking it out and they're paying cash and it turns out there actually is apnea there okay then it's worth the extra uh, you know 40 50 bucks to, to do the interpretation and then the interpretation will come with a letter of medical necessity as well as an interpretation suggesting what's appropriate for treatment and if it's mild or moderate, we're going to suggest oral appliances are a great first option. Okay. If it's severe, we're going to suggest CPAP initially as an auto titration, unless there's contraindications. Okay. If the patient's already failed CPAP, they've already been diagnosed. uh, Maybe they're totally against it. Maybe they can't use it because they're um, out, you know, camping all the time. There's indications for the severe uh, cases where they don't, you know,
1: they don't have to be on CPAP. Got
2: it. Uh, no, it goes to the uh, insurance company. It's a, it's one of the devices they use to justify their paying. Yeah. Benefits.
3: Yeah. And, and, and you're putting that in your chart along with the informed consent. You need to sign informed yeah. consent. And we suggest you become a, uh, a, a member of one of the academies. I think the, the best known is the American Academy of Dental Sleep Medicine. They've got great resources on their website for informed consent, that type of stuff. Uh, you can grab one of those, some of those
2: forms. Uh, American Sleep and that's Breathing right. Academy. American Sleep and Breathing Academy is another very good uh, organization. I, I recommend yeah. them both. Yeah, they're both very, very good. good.
3: they got good resources. Um, well Of course, people like us, we can connect you with some initial okay. training there. We've actually got – I've been very impressed with Somnimed. They've got a series of about six hours of CEU that's free – yeah, true. Uh, okay. On their website, I encourage yeah. everyone, before they come to work with us, Got it. spend Got six it. hours over a few weeks of just getting the basics. And then we can help right. you actually make it more practical, right?
2: Right, 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 right. There's now,
3: so many people uh, redoing this uh, thing over think, and over um, again. It's just uh, Dr. Rick would nothing's agree, changed uh, as far like, as the basics uh, go. If you you know, there's you really new want to here. do implants,
1: you have to keep reading, keep keep learning new skills, you have to keep. Uh, looking up the new things in in implantology, you know, uh, a new bone graft came into a new whatever, whatever a new trick or whatever. My question is, uh, do you think sleep apnea is ever evolving or as much evolving just like implants, Dr. Rick?
2: It's a very deep field. I, I I can't think of a deeper field in dentistry than implant dentistry and uh, sleep okay. dentistry. They are they require constant education, keeping <laughs> up with the literature, constantly going yeah. to uh, meetings right. and learning more okay. about how to. So take basically, it's a so, uh, you know, are you, you have to kind of commit into it uh, and uh, years it's, of not, sleep it's, it's not it's not a quick fix.
1: Hey, I just have to make yeah, an impression. Amazing. Go home. You know, it's not that. It's a bad idea.
2: Yeah, it's a bad yeah. idea. There, there are people, there are dentists out there doing that, and I, and I don't, I don't recommend. It. Yeah, You're this is dabble. In yeah, this is a adult, very well. Important they feel it, separated from no, everybody. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying you, to say, you, hey, we want, want really to dentist? do a
1: service I mean, as a yeah, value yeah, add as a group on. here. Uh, but you know, I think that's uh, uh, that's a judgmental thing. People just just judge it right away. Um I know I, I know a dentist who's an, who does who's a DDS who does who did a lot of ortho stuff and now he's into sleep apnea. So he's doing ortho even though he's a dentist, uh DDS um and he does a lot of ortho and now he's getting into sleep apnea. And uh does he make money? Yeah, he does. I mean his
3: And it's very rewarding, too. I mean, when you see someone's blood pressure come down, they come back telling you that they're back in bed with their wife (laughs) because they were kicked out forever, you know, Uh, and they're Uh, they're happier, and they come in, that was the grumpy patient that had to have nitrous because they don't like having things in their mouth because they're brain sinking airway, airway, airway.
2: I I can tell you, for me, uh, sleep apnea treatment, I almost feel – Anxious for people's health uh, if they don't okay. get treatment, and then and then I really uh, nice. are following them closely because I realize that we're saving lives. It's nothing. There's nothing like it in that's dentistry. Great.
1: Okay, okay. So now that that's that gives me a good idea.
2: Now, uh, so if you're not going to treat right it, go it go at what so about yeah. um, yeah. the, yeah. the malpractice
1: yeah. insurance? Does it increase yeah. substantially for the dentist uh, to do? A procedure to add sleep apnea into their practices. Any idea about that?
2: If you're, oh, it hasn't it hasn't impacted my premiums at all, and I do disclose that I do that. And they, and they, they yeah, they don't
3: change much at all because uh, they're going to ask you questions. If you're doing it, are you wor- doing it in? Uh, concert with a sleep specialist Are you following the guidelines, those sort of things. If you're doing that, then you're, yeah, your malpractice is appropriately not going to go up because, well, and here's the thing too, uh, post COVID, you're going to try to find as many procedures that do not include aerosol management as possible. The only one, the only ones that I'm aware of and tell me otherwise, but probably um, just basic uh, yeah. expander sort of delivery for orthodontia right, 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 right. and oral appliances or maybe a bruxism guard. And we've already established that bruxism guards alone are not appropriate based on the research.
1: We got the benefits, we got the malpractice into uh, question, we got the impression, we got the bite. Now, what are the potential side effects of such a device? Um, you know, I gave it to somebody um, and I'm using Circle, I'm using the oximeter, right, I'm also using bongo, it's improving everything, but uh, I think you touched about this a little bit, that your occlusion changes a little bit there, Uh, but what are the other potential side effects, including occlusion that uh, dentists who are in the game, who wants to get in the game, um, should be aware of, and are they reversible, irreversible, Uh, how's that going to work?
2: One of the things that you're going to have is if they have a TMJ uh-huh. issue. Here's the very important thing that I talk talk to my patients about. Many times, the disc on top of the condyle is dislocated anteriorly. Right. Okay, you'll put them in an appliance that keeps them forward, and over the uh, a number of weeks, they might actually capture that disc. They actually capture it, uh, and uh, it's, it goes back into a normal position. Well, guess what? Posterior bite was accustomed to be closed and now it's open the posterior bite will never come together again because they have the proper uh, alignment of their capsule on top of hmm. the condyle they need to know that and so you're going to say well if you do it after the fact well, this is a bad idea if you tell if you don't tell them ahead of time this is a good thing you've just captured your disc, it. Your, jo- your joints to okay. be healthy yeah okay your, your joint and by the way I believe that the appliances actually make your joint healthier most of to the time. I agree. That's true. Very, very seldom do they make your joint worse. But if they do, you got to tell them about that too. But I'm telling them, we got your your jaw uh, corrected now, and now your bite has to be okay. corrected. And it, and I live without my back teeth touching very much at all. At all, I don't yeah. care anymore. It doesn't even seem to interfere with my okay. chewing anymore. And I can put my teeth together very little back teeth touching, uh, posterior teeth. It's
3: just the way it is. Yeah, well, and and on that same point, there are some patients who just cannot tolerate uh, upper lower mandibular retainers together, uh, and they may do fine with a maxillary. And if you're gonna do that, well, that's where a hybrid comes in. We have connectors, just like a uh, tap-pap kind of concept there where you take a nasal pillow and you connect it to a single upper retainer. So the sleep apnea is treated with a CPAP device. Mm Uh, And you're protecting the teeth at the same time. Um, I got to tell you, I've seen, again, I've been doing this a long time. Okay. Mm -hmm. I've seen, you know, in our database, I see at least 15,000 people in that database. And a good chunk of those are CPAP, probably a thousand or, you know, 2,000 or combinations of the two. But you know, I've seen a lot of people, that they everything's happy. They're happy. They haven't been back in two years. And then they say, Well, I'm back because my dentist told me my bites, blah, 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 blah. Well, I got to tell you, I would say 90% of maybe mm. Mm. that area uh, of my patients, I tell them, Go on a CPAP, auto CPAP for two months. Okay. They take off your mouthpiece. Okay. And their bite recovers. Uh, so, okay. So, That's, true. So, That's true. So here's That'll the thing it, there is disc. There's a disc debate, and I think there's something to that. There's joint fluid debate. debate. Mm-hmm. There's also a habitual muscle posture debate, and those pterygoids, those muscles that you are holding the jaw forward, they get tighter, kind of like a contracture, okay? Mm-hmm. And if you're constantly keeping that jaw forward and never allowing it to relax back in sleep, because that's where your muscles are actually hypotonous, you're relaxed in sleep, right, right. Then, then they're going to stay up there. And you, you to get them back, you got to give them time off and sometimes it's, it's, it's as quick as two weeks out. Okay. But if it's been a long time, I've seen them come back after a couple of months off and I refer them to a physical therapist who actually focuses on soft tissue release, uh, TMJ related exercises and stretching and a chiropractor. And by having that, that sort of a relationship, we recover way more bite changes than what you'll see in the literature. Because a lot of folks are just telling folks, you know, bite into an AM bite. Retainer, and uh, go ahead and do your little leaf gauge. Buy your leaf gauge. That's all they're telling them. Mm. If all you're telling them is okay, buy the leaf gauge and a positioner. You're not
1: managing a lot of this stuff here from shoulders up. Is what we're (laughs) doing. Okay, so um, so basically. These things are going to happen. There would be changes in occlusion, but we have to kind of give them a heads up to our patients. Hey, this is this is normal. Okay. This is where it should be. Actually, that's the reason you have uh, a trouble or uh, or a condition to begin with. Um, so now it's it's at a better position, and you'll, you'll be you'll be all good. Don't worry about it. So that's
2: one thing. Um, uh, well, if you create an underbite. Yeah, they won't you know. be happy. <laughs> <laughs> They're not going to be happy no matter what yeah. you say. And so you might have to do what Joe is doing. Yeah. Right. Well, and, and, and. I, I, I tell you what, I have a patient like that. Now He's another okay. dentist. Okay. And he's from Georgia. And I helped him with the getting going. And he put in his own appliance. And he says a couple months ago, he says, hey, I have an <laughs> underbite. I, I'll, I took orthodontics to get rid of this <laughs> and this back. I said, well, <laughs> I said, well, you're going to have to leave it out if you want it to go yeah. out because uh, there's, it's just, there's just a the running joke
3: is. with the uh, the dentists that were originally into this is you could always tell a dentist that was into sleep apnea early because they've all got underbites. <laughs> 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 but but I, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the data says it's going to be a millimeter to two millimeters tops of loss of overjet. Um, not a, you know, a little bit of overbite change, but I'm not, I'm not kidding. I actively see them regularly. I see them after a month and a half. I actively tell them, let me know if you're having problems with your bite. I see them in six months. I see them at one year. I write in the informed consent. You need to be coming in once a year and talking to your dentist once at least six time, every six right. months. Yeah. If you do do that and yeah. you have a connection with a chiropractor or a physical therapist and mm-hmm. open communication with the patient, it's not going to happen. No, it's not. Better. Yeah.
4: Yeah, yeah my functional point. therapist yeah. I have a yeah. very
3: very low yeah. side effect profile on my patients because I'm actively monitoring and of course because insurance is paying the office visits right so just know that that's also part of the long-term
1: management okay so yeah. are you saying for all the five visits uh in the span of four to five months uh, apart from paying for the visit for you know uh, the appliance which we calculated you know twenty four fifty four fifty whatever um, they're also paying for the visits, uh, for the follow-ups, correct? It depends on, it depends on the insurance company,
3: but, okay. uh, and Medicare will make you kind of bundle a lot of that together, kind of like a surgical follow-up. Um, and some, some insurance companies will do the same, but so it's, 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 uh, insurance dependent and Got region it. dependent. And it's also, uh, but once you pass that initial point, your follow-ups, your long-term follow-ups are covered.
2: Right. Um. There, there are there are procedures that some insurance companies pay for, like a CT exam, a lateral skull X-ray, yeah. a muscle testing, palpation, head and neck exam. These are all medical codes, and uh, and and I think you should take advantage of them. Not go, don't don't go overboard. Uh, overboard <laughs> with that, right? <laughs> no, no fraud. No yeah, fraud. right. Yeah. But legitimate yeah. stuff so, can be done.
1: Now, since you uh, picked up two topics here, CBCT and chiropractors, I'm going to start with one. Uh, is, do you think CBCT is any way helpful in diagnosis of sleep
2: apnea? I do. But the, the, the statistics are not enough to uh, – there's not enough supporting literature for some of the insurance companies to pay for those things. But I, I've seen studies that show that you can measure airway space with these CT scans. And, and it can be a predictor or, or help in your diagnosis. And I totally think that you can see uh, blockages in the nose, uh, nasal cavities. Uh, those things uh, are are helpful Better. to you. And deviated septums, things of right, this right, right. nature. Very It's needed, very, very
3: influence, uh, Positive influence to the patient too. If they see that airway restriction on the, mm-hmm. the, the, the screen, they yeah. go, wow. This is, I understand this now. So if you've got access to that, I I encourage using that, you know.
1: Okay. So that's, that's, that's. You're going to need a high
2: volume CT scan. You can't use a CT scan that just gives you a low. Right. You've got to have one that goes all the way in the back. Yeah. Larger. Right. Right. And we'll we'll learn
3: more. if People do that more often. We'll learn more about what the joint looks like at baseline and with follow-up, you know. Right. Right.
2: And you, can, and you can have a radiologist read sure. it for you, too. It's not a big right. deal. Now, um, we were talking about the uh,
1: chiropractors, uh, uh, for audience who don't know, how did you, why do you think a dentalchirocollaborative.com was created? I mean, Dennis, okay, medicine understand. I'll now you're you bringing it it. It in chiro- okay, I- Come on, man. You know, next day you want to bring a pet pet guy, too? You know? So, <laughs>
2: So what is i i here's here's my here's my feeling about them sure therapy. sure i i created the site dental okay. right now it's a little dormant because i got to revamp the educational modules and i'm going to do yeah, I'll be with helping joe him. joe has joe has got, a, has got a great relationship with a number of chiropractic groups i have some relationship with chiropractic groups that are using my online homeschoolstudy.com okay. site but anyway here's an untapped pool of patients that have never been touched most chiropractors know nothing about sleep apnea Some of the most dentists don't either but there's a whole pool of patients that you can be developing a new cross-referral relationship with that have never okay. been touched before there's I'm t- we're talking about millions of patients and allies who may be quite receptive to working with a dentist in the sleep care field okay and there's nothing preventing a dentist from dispensing a cpap and chiropractors can do the same uh we we can help with this i i don't i'm not saying you just you abandon your your medical specialist no way and i'm talking about that but there is a number of people they can be screening let's just take screening just screening i gave them a simple form that I've made for chiropractors that has a simple screening of a few spine and forward neck posture and TNJ problems. I have some supporting documents of medical uh, necessity that show that they have effectiveness in, in dystonias and things of this nature that yeah. will help us in the, in the, in the dental yeah. field. And why wouldn't you want to enroll in a whole new field okay. of people into the treatment and screening and finding these patients that are 54 million of them out there, out loud. Let's get more well, done. well, and, and okay.
3: another thing that you may not know is related is uh, the medical examiner for uh, Department of Transportation and and all states, oh, I'm go. aware of, right. chiropractors really feel that niche uh, pretty regularly. So they see a lot of folks that are going to have to be screened for non-qualifying disorders mm-hmm. like vision problems, hearing problems, cardiovascular issues, mm-hmm. uh, stroke, recent stroke. Uh, disqualifying things like sleep apnea that's untreated and, and be, based on increased weight, uh, BMI, neck circumference, age, comorbidities, wow. that, that increased their risk for their pretest probability for screening. And now they have to be able to refer to someone that they trust. And okay. I got to tell you, a lot of truck drivers do not want to just be rushed into a CPAP machine. Okay. And,
0: no, so-
2: and another thing has happened to too, is that the, uh, this weight gain that these the sleep apnea patients get, chiropractors have a tough time adjusting and then their adjustments are not holding. And then, so they need that. And these DOT drivers are going to be required to have some sleep testing done. And a lot of DOT physicians are, are chiropractors, okay. not dentists. Yeah, okay.
3: are yeah. are. And, and, and it's important too, to, to realize that there's also that need to help them, Uh, Be aware of what you're doing as far as bruxism and they can actually act as a partner to deal with some of the side effect management. Like I said, if we actively manage side effects, we'll have less side effects to report in our informed consent. So the the chiropractor, the physical therapist are great, great team members. If you do jump into problems with discomfort or pain or that sort of thing. Also, with yeah. the chiropractor, they are very functional medicine-minded. They are looking at that biohacking world where you have people that are really interested in in intervening early in their life and taking control of their health by being proactive through eating more like Mediterranean, you've heard of keto, you've heard of right. high protein, low processed. You hear about people who are worried about environmental uh, exposures, um, electro, electromechanical uh, uh, magnetic sensitivity. They're looking mm-hmm. at environmental medicine. They're looking at stress management. There's a lot of things that chiropractors are doing because they don't rely on just writing a pill for you. Uh, right. They want they want to get to root cause and, right. and sleep apnea is very root yeah, cause. Yeah, it's it's
2: it's a it's a, 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 a non drug, non invasive therapy. It's perfectly tailored to chiropractic. And another thing is they're quite interested in the snore devices that I'm, I'm marketing. The snore is another way for them to break in to the sleep apnea inquiry yeah, with of the log- patients. Yeah. Many of them snore. That's right. So they 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 are also interested in the snore device. And that snore step is the way they begin to okay, work yeah, with and
3: us. And dentists and chiropractors are clinicians who are not heavily reliant on prescription management uh, for their for their visits. Mm-hmm. And so it makes sense that both those uh, professions could really get cross pollination. And the chiropractors mm-hmm. I've talked about, they want to do they want to rule out all the root causes. And learning that sleep is a big part of this, it's getting a lot more play, getting a lot
2: more exposure. The sleep thing, Quite a few of them are also involved in myofascial therapy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
1: okay. that's a good crossover. Yeah. Oh, now, now that ma- does make sense. I'm sorry if I was a little, um, I was just joking around. Gotcha. Uh, why <laughs> did you involve chiropractors? A little
2: bit but, of a, um, there and in the internet for, for PANX uh, goes in and out for okay, some there, of us. But Anyway, uh, I went down to uh, Florida one year ago, yeah. Joe, and I spent some time working with the chiropractors and I actually got drug Certification and screen, drug screening certification through the DOT program. Now I'm never no, going to do any no. drug testing for these patients. Never, never going to do that. But I went down there to to sit in a room with a bunch of chiropractors who are doing these physical exams with these DOT tr- drivers, and I was very impressed with what they're doing. They are, <laughs> they are really. It's protecting the safety of our roadways for what they're doing. And, and if I
3: wasn't such a podcast junkie, I love podcasts. You know, a lot of, I think a lot of physicians and right. clinicians and dentists are just really getting into podcasts, especially in the age of COVID where you're kind of locked in somewhere. Right. But for the last several years, these biohackers, these folks that are looking for root cause disorders that they're frustrated with their, their standard allopathic approach with medicine management, side effect management. These are people that are hungry. And I know chiropractic has been very, very good to rebrand themselves in that area. And they're doing all sorts of, all sorts of things like stem cells, uh, PRP, peptide therapies, um, uh, ox- oxidation therapies like hyperbaric oxygen for post-concussive syndromes. They're doing a lot of really cool things that are going to get it. people now back into shape. And um, sleep um, at is unfortunately sense. still not on the radar. Okay. So, so it makes sense for us to uh, I make think, that uh, visible, just like we're doing for the dentist. Uh,
1: is there, a, is, do you have any specific collaborations in different uh, uh, states uh, with the chiropractors too as of now? Or uh, the dentist would have to kind of reach out to them? um by themselves as of now.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> we we, su- you, you, we suggest you reach out to the chiropractor locally. They're going to give you a like, what? <laughs> And and then then you then you have them reach out to us, and we'll give them the curriculum that's going to be very okay. fluid. We've already been beta testing that with some some uh, forward thinking uh, functional neurologic uh, n- uh, neurologists, uh, chiropractors over here that are treating a lot of concussion right. syndromes, and so they're already testing out our curriculum. And uh, of course, with the uh, Uh, Dental Chiropractic Collaborative, we're going to make that our hub. So again, that'll be uh, another study club that I think uh, eventually, hopefully will be a great resource Um, for those
1: folks who want to collaborate. Before this interview, before this research of the interview, uh, I was like, oh, you take an impression, you send it to the lab, they make the appliance. And I did not understand, I mean, at least my understanding was uh, that it's a very cookie cutter approach. You know, I'm looking for one kind of appliance from Clydewell, from... ABC Lab, DEF, whatever lab was. Now, how would you, what is the difference between different appliances, like um, EMA, Somnodent, Sleep, App, Sleep App Dev, uh TAP, and so on? Uh, how do they learn what appliance to give to a particular patient? Okay.
3: Well, that's a great question. I, th- I think it comes down to experience uh, as a dentist. Uh, I think the dentist also needs to see different aspects of different devices. I wore a tap very, very early on. And my problem with tap is my tongue was constantly irritated
2: by the old tap 2 hook. So it constricts the tongue and then there's some that give you better yeah, vertical. Yeah, yeah. and the vertical
3: has to be a minimum, yeah. I think. I can't remember specifically what's going on with the dream tab, but before it was probably about nine, eight, nine mill- millimeters. And okay. I think in general, the data says that women in general tend to tolerate less vertical and men tend to need more vertical depending on, uh, you know, uh, uh, number right. of factors. Uh, what's their range of motion? You know, what's their mandibular protrusive capacity, retrusive capacity? What's their occlusion? Are they class one, two, three? Uh,
2: uh, do they breathe through their nose or right, their mouth? Right. Are they a mouth it's breather or nasal breather?
3: Yeah. Do we need to focus on the nose as well? Um, there's a lot of
2: factors that go into it. Do we need to control the tongue? I mean, sometimes the tongue needs to be, you know, but how do they learn with all that? Go do they the come to a course situations? or
1: something? Do you have a course um, that they can learn all, from? There are or... all
2: kinds of different reasons to select different appliances. Uh, well, we have courses online that we, we're training people with. Uh, I do believe okay. that going to a basic sleep apnea course is, is important. You you're not going to get all the things that you need to know in yeah. one course. It's just not going to happen. It is, it's just amazing how much you need to, to to. You should you should like it. I do. I like it, and okay. so that's the reason I'm doing it. But I also feel like it's so important. Yeah. Well, I couldn't I couldn't unsee what I saw after I came back from the first course. I go, oh my gosh! I've been ignoring this for years. These children. I've been ignoring these children for years. It's like I felt bad and you can't unsee what you learn. Well, and
3: you also, you know, I've had thousands and thousands of hours of dealing with dental appliances and and patients. And I think the best learning uh, tool I've used is being aware of myself. Uh, and I think a lot of people, again, it goes back to a modern facial type. You know, 90% mm-hmm. of us have some crowding, don't have room for our wisdom teeth. So that means that we're already restricted airways wise anyway, even if it's not officially sleep apnea, it's something. And if you start wearing a device, and that's what we like to do is if someone wants to order a device, just, just give us a holler, send us S- STL file, we'll give you, uh, I mean, on the, the uh, okay. smg2.net website is a prescription form Mm -hmm. for the sleep app ADV, which is our PDEC approved device. And you, we can get you one to try out for yourself. You know, uh, we could probably give you a, a discount for being a listener to this podcast too, initially. And, um, Become a wearer first. You know what it feels like. Know what your patient's going through. See if you feel better. You'll be you'll be surprised. Grab a, a couple of circle rings. Well, again, we'll get you a discount on the circle rings. Start screening yourself and your family. This has been fun for Rick and myself. Uh, he's he's got a circle ring. He's been putting it on his wife on him. And he's been emailing me the uh, the, the reports. Yeah, I've been doing that for yeah. months with my patients. They'll email me reports. They're so excited. They're like, oh yeah, I, I adjusted it more and look at my score here. Or you know, I wasn't on my well, my back, okay. much. Uh, well, my dental appliance, how much devices. better my score no, is! This crazy oh thing gosh, it's not getting Watch. anywhere. So we should probably do some more than what
1: we're <laughs> doing right now. So, I was looking at uh, my sleep pattern. Uh, I think there are some um, apps called Sleep Watch. i do <laughs> not if you're aware of them. <laughs> yeah. um, and you can actually subscribe to their daily, uh, uh, you know, sleep study thing um and i was pretty happy and surprised i was like hey you slept good yesterday what happened did you sleep somewhere else or did you drink or did you not drink you know so they're asking me all the questions and i was actually pretty uh impressed with the sleep watch app um
0: yeah, yeah. so
2: Oh my gosh, it's getting so amazing. Yeah. The, the apps now are becoming so yeah, advanced yeah. so quickly. Is you know, and, and, and that's yeah. one of the points I wanted to yeah. make, uh, pegs. This restriction on sleep testing. Well, Apple out the, the new one which you'll probably be able to is wear going to Oh, what is a that? That oh. on your chin and it'll do everything. It'll do it all. How are you going to stop that? How are you going to stop it? Really? Give me a break. Uh-huh. The, the, this is, that, is an Joe? ultra
3: wide band radar this doesn't even touch you it's a sleep study that's been tested yeah. in the chinese hospital system for the last several years it's also a product coming from circle they're actually doing the circle ring for oximetry and this to look at your, at your your breathing pattern your heart rate your body movements this plus uh this little orbit this little round little orb that sits on on your desk points at you and it'll actually give us sleep Data wow. along with the pul- the pulse oximetry, from- exactly from- that's right. equivalent exactly. to a level three study, which is a standard of care right now in the United States.
2: So pretty soon it'll be no yeah. touchy. You want to be on I know it's, just, it's that, that- just crazy. Yeah, I mean it, you can't stop this, and and the people trying to restrict it, it just. Just, yeah, you know, and, so and we're, we're developing too. some metrics to uh, –
3: we're, we're almost we're almost out with, with uh, uh, right. our own sensor that goes onto the device. Yeah. Uh, the problem with the, the compliance sensors right now is they're pretty expensive for the download uh, solution. So it needs to be something that's much, much more affordable. So we're going to collect more data. The interactivity, the apps are getting more sophisticated. The problem, though, with the wrist stuff is you don't – you have limited actual – uh, quality of the data yeah. so far so, so you I was can get to tell you, much, uh, maybe i'll send it to you,
1: uh, actual I don't know if you can high see resolution right now. data from
3: that thick of a skin uh, it uh, be, yeah it's uh, a
1: polysomnogram uh, here yeah. and it shows me the dips uh when i had some yeah, dips yeah, and almost, it shows me when my light my my sleep was disrupted uh and some restful sleep uh on on a sleep app watch uh sorry sleep Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to send it to yeah. you so that you can diagnose me some, right? <laughs> you, you got a lot of movement there. It looks like.
3: <laughs> uh, I, I, yeah, I, I probably could. I probably could. Well, well, you know what's really exciting is is um, we're thinking about a solution for people where they wear the ring, and if you had a snore, like, well, it's just a little adhesive that goes on your breastbone you can actually see if there's a positional component we can actually overlay the the graph that comes from the snore body positioner as well yeah
2: because it has yeah, an app app as well and it'll give you and a nice you freedom.
3: can overlay yeah. the, the the app from the uh circle ring which has pulse oximetry heart rate it's got um uh, odi which is your apnea score hmm. it's got a, a a very validated uh uh, okay. Sleep graph or hypnogram that tells uh, you the different yeah, stages of sleep. I'm actually, um, and you can really overlay that and see the, if uh, there's actually sick. a position. Uh, there's, position there's, the there are
1: rumors going on that they got patient put as well. The sleep you know. watch, sleep watch app thing uh, on the watch itself, you know. Um, and my guess is uh, next year or two, the home sleep study would be redundant, like uh, more or less in two or three mm-hmm. years maximum sure. like more or less uh, they already have ecg um you know uh, on the, on the apple watches so they got to get into that game yeah if
3: if if you want yeah, to will. think about the quality of uh, sleep testing for okay. the consumer, okay. the two big ones, obviously aside from the Apple Watch, uh, are are the Aura Ring O U R A dot mm. com. They have actually done head to head studies in the Netherlands uh, on polysomnography, and their sleep graph has actually been validated. The only problem I have with a lot of these Fitbits right. and Apple Watches is they've got their proprietary right. um, software. They they haven't open it up for validation so we don't really know how accurate it is it's better than nothing but but you know you got to be able to test it to be able to confidently say that it's doing well the circle Ring Uh has been validated in china for several years it's actually very very hard to get to the chinese fda uh uh, so most of the time things are tested here and then moved there (laughs) and the circle was done the other way around um so so it's very unique in the fact And i'm not a wristwatch wearer okay i don't like it But a ring, I gotta tell you, people love yeah. it. They're very compliant with the rings, and that's why I think everyone's yeah. gonna go. Is eventually you're gonna have Apple have their their version of their linked ring or whatever, uh, just like that. Yeah. If you if you could see, uh, I know we don't have the video uh, for the podcast, but but Pink's, you can see that. that it, it, put it on a couple different fingers there,
2: uh, Rick. Well, it only mm-hmm. fits on my little finger. Okay, so, so there's now. two sm- yeah.
3: there's two sizes for that ring. There is the small, medium because it does expand, and there's the medium, large. And so if you have a mm. if you have kind of a thicker hand or thicker thicker knuff- knuckles, right. you'd probably want to go with the large, medium. If you're a female or more yeah. of a slight person, cool. you probably would want to go with the small, medium. Um, and it's really cool because it it kind of connects to a little magnet, so uh so it just snaps onto a magnet and it charges, um. And it, it's also a, it's also a. You can actually see uh calorie burn okay. activity. Got it's it. a continuous pulse oximeter. So again, uh, if oh, someone what? wants to watch their oxygen yeah. all day long because you're worried about COVID, that little yeah. circle.
1: And bad. how long yeah. does that uh, charge this, last? This, uh, right on, a day right. two. Yeah. So it's just a USB charger.
2: Yep. USB yep. charger. No, it's, it, it takes a lot.
3: It's, it's got a lot of data collection. So if you're if you're running in the actual, you change the modes based on what how, how sensitive you want it. So if you're doing a sleep test, it's going to be about eight to ten hours. If you're just doing low like low level data collection, uh, it's going to chart. It's going to uh, zap the battery faster, so it could be even shorter. But it takes about a half an hour to charge it. Uh, you you have at least you know. Maybe eighteen yeah, hours think, of normal uh, use, but if you're going to uh, use it for the rings, sleep assessment, going to give rings, use the app to turn it right? on. <laughs> it'll probably go eight hours to ten
1: hours. <laughs>
0: right?
3: Uh, I you're not
1: kidding. yeah. So uh, for people who couldn't there see the go. video, it's and more the new or new less jewelry, like a ring, you know, uh, uh, like a regular ring, cool little, uh, uh, like a diamond black ring, band, you know? um, <laughs> really like a chrome cobalt black band all around with. Uh, some sensors hidden on the inside of the ring, with, which touches the skin uh, of your finger. Um, and um, that's... And there's a flashing light, too, which I, I do see. Right. Now, what... Oh, is that a brain tap?
2: This looks like... No, what is a that, Joe? light inside. Inside. Nobody sees that.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh. <laughs>
3: So, so I, I wanted to show you this you know, real fast be, because it's a, it's a pair yeah, of head, high high fidelity headphones and a, a little light uh, for the retina, but there's been a lot of data out there on binaural beats, mm. which is, That's yeah. So, so it's a, a non-prescription way to uh make the brain waves more uh calmed. And uh, Dr. Porter's done a lot of research on, on binaural beats. He's a uh, prep, pretty world-renowned uh, NLP or Neurolinguistic Processing uh, mm-hmm. uh, Specialists. And he's put together a whole series of, uh, mm-hmm. aud- yeah, on, uh, on the auditory um, sort of programs. And it can right. help with like weight loss. It helps with insomnia. They have a program for dentistry. Brilliant. So if you, know, you have a really anxious patient, you have them put this on and listen to it uh, for 20 minutes before the procedure. It actually really calms down their anxiety. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool, and and it's it's something you can put in the office and use, you know, to kind of get them more more resilient. Mm-hmm. I guess is the, the terminology they're using nowadays is resilience right. uh, by getting getting you more tapped into the slower brain waves because we're all over mm-hmm. stimulated and not sleeping enough. And, mm-hmm. uh, even if I was t- saying this earlier, if you if you didn't have apnea, okay, and mm-hmm. you yeah. slept, and you're normally a seven hour sleeper. Say we made you sleep for five hours because you had this deadline every night for a week. Okay, oh, wow. at the end of that week, okay. you're you will be res- insulin resistant the same level as an actually diagnosed type two mm-hmm. diabetic. That's true. Now, now, if you get back yeah. to sleep, it's 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 turned around. Okay, you're back to normal. But it shows you how important you've got to balance the sleep process, and that's partly. Due to the fact that your brain takes up so much metabolism it's a very small part of your actual mass but it's like 20
2: of your metabolism you've got to have a balanced sleep right. ab- uh, even um, even um even ariana huffington
1: she to even published a book Not only a about only amount of that. sleep do you guys know what
2: that's the quality in, of sleep is very yeah. Very yeah so
1: people who don't know uh he, she has a uh ted talk about the sleep and she has a book called the sleep revolution oh absolutely uh uh it's it's if Ariana Huffington is talking about sleep, we should be talking. Right. Yeah.
2: Okay. But why We Sleep is another one. Yeah. She,
3: she's also talking about these guys. Oh, okay. I, I like these guys a lot. They're called Defender <laughs> Shield. Oh, okay. They, they actually make a series. You see this here? These are readers uh, oh. that I'm wearing right now. It's it's uh, it's a little snap on, but essentially this actually blocks the glare from um from the, the the computer, but more importantly it's blue blocking. So blue is a great wavelength in the morning because it tells your brain it's a cue. Yeah. The, the fancy word zeitgeber you know you have these cues throughout the day the 24 hour cycle it's telling you whether it's worth being awake or asleep and some things uh, right. one of the most powerful ones are light exposure and it turns out that all this high efficiency lighting the LEDs very very mm. bright and on the blue wave and so that's actually suppressing melatonin excretion when it's supposed to start right. to climb in the evening and so she's a big fan of wearing blue blockers, if you're ever exposed to an iPad or TV after about five in the evening, because if you block it, you're going to help your natural progression of melatonin. And yeah, and that's right, the right, environmental right. medicine stuff that we, we didn't really realize until fairly recently because it's so new, it's 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 been thrust upon us so quickly. <laughs> it's so ubiquitous so, that no one's so, been able to uh, test For uh, those who
1: couldn't see the, the video it's more or less it's like, like Bluetooth. The, There's a whole nother uh, conversation. Glass you know, to shields, uh, <laughs> which actually snaps on your glasses, you know, your regular glasses. Um and then it actually blocks the blue light and increases the melatonin. Uh, which increases towards the end of the day so that you can go back to sleep easy. Uh, probably more uh, important for people who have insomnia, who doesn't get sleep, uh, just to get back to the, the zone of sleep, I should say. Um, and it helps in circadian rhythm. And I,
2: I, I would put the link, yeah. Absolutely. It's just, it's it, it assists the yeah. circadian rhythm. And the circadian rhythm
1: is what we have to figure right. out and then that, that's, that's so it's it's
2: called a different yeah we, we have a uh, discount yeah. for
3: these guys so if you guys want to get a hold of them we, we partner with them as well because they're yeah. the most reputable that i'm aware of uh, yeah uh, yeah it's called defender shield and they have all sorts of products they also have little um little oh, okay. uh covers for your phone that will uh will basically block the bluetooth from when you have it against your head if you look at this small print on the uh, FCC, it says if you have your n- next to your head here, you're going to increase the okay. risk of it's a carcin... It's a class... can't remember which cl- which class of carcinogen is, but if you expose okay. yourself to that close of a radiation, non-ionizing radiation lo- long-term for greater than, I think, I don't okay. know how many hours, but some number of hours, uh, you're, you're going to put it. yourself <laughs> into a bad spot there. So I always have right. this to block it from my ear. And so that's, all, again, a whole nother, you know,
2: Rabbit hole, another, another rabbit discussion. Hole. Yeah, another but discussion.
3: Blue, blue light is not a bad thing. It's great yeah. in the morning. It helps to mm-hmm. reinvigorate the the supercosmic nucleus. Loves that big thrust of changes in light. Right. Blue light in the morning gets you right. focused. It, it sets your your circadian rhythm, and then later in the evening, think about Mother Nature. When it gets in the yeah. evening, it's kind of like these oranges hues. Yeah, you know, caveman okay, times, so, or even before you know, electricity, we'd have a nice orange
1: fire uh, there. Uh, I have to, I have it's to ask very you, uh, warm, uh, Joe, you, know uh, very warm uh, color. Were you always this talkative? Right. You should be a or energy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <our> ener- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no no uh, no actually I, i'm, I'm I actually him complimenting song. him he's, in so a way. Nice. <laughs> he's got so much energy i love I, uh, I love, yeah, I love uh, the um, talk because he gets into some like technicality i love,
2: it. I love, I love it. it I love it i'm me too me too yeah. i am too i am no too. no my uh, my uh,
3: wife always says i've been i think she's, she's, she sees she thinks i was it. starved of oh, attention oh, as a oh. child
1: <laughs> On a serious note, um, maybe this we can delete No TV matter what it, bit, God <laughs> I got it. I'm just curious. Did you always have those energy? Because yeah, look at me. I mean, yeah. I'm not that energetic, even though I am excited about the interview and all, but yeah. I, I see that energy in you. Um, are you as excited for everything that you do? Uh, were you always like that? Or, you know, after you treated your apnea, sleep apnea that you improved upon, or is it a biohack that you're using you know, uh, which changed you over the period of I don't know two, three, five, seven years.
3: Uh, uh, I I gotta say it, it's it's a, a combination of uh, <clears throat> contributions there. I, you're absolutely right. I mean, about 2014, I got really into the right. biohacking area. Um, you know, I was always pretty. I, I was always pretty athletic and always fe- fairly health conscious, uh, but um, until then, I was having a couple of pounds hard to lose. And so, so I've been intermittent fasting for years. I've been time restricted eating, which is also a circadian based process. Always supplementi- supplementing. Supplementing. I drink hydrogenated water, which is another anti-inflammatory. Mm-hmm. I try to manage my stress. I uh, exercise regularly. Uh, it, but I got to tell you, after, out of all the hacks oh, okay. I've done. And I technically don't really have apnea. I have upper airways resistance. So I would have been lost. I would have been lost in this in the standard uh, of care here. But I got to tell right. you, ever since a child, you know, I wish I would have been diagnosed. I was a mouth breather, allergies, uh, always needed sleep. I was okay. prone to cold sores. When I, when I was 32 and I accidentally got looked at yeah. for airway, I thought, you know what? I'm sleep. Okay. I should try something, you know. I tried the CPAP. It was a horrible experience for me, even though I was managing CPAP every day for patients. And that's what got me in the dental appliances. Once oh, I started wow. wearing the dental appliance, yeah, yeah. in my 30s, I used to wake up all the time looking at the clock mm. going, why am I awake? I would go right back to sleep, but why do I wake mm. up? And I probably get up to pee two or three times a night. And in my 30s, there were no prostate problems. Yeah.
2: Right? I did that too. And also, yeah.
3: my problem yeah. is is I was, at, I was mm. like uh. – adamant that if i didn't get my sleep i was really grouchy and i had to get that eight hours sleep you know to function and if i did my my immune system go and then the cold sores would pop up so ever since i've been wearing a dental appliance even though it's the mildest of sleep disorder breathing my life has changed i can't remember that guy who used to wake up all the time. I don't ever get up to pee. I feel right. fantastic. I get by with yeah. seven hours of sleep where it used to be eight hours of sleep. And if I get six hours, mm. I don't get punished as badly, you know, um, um, as before that. So I got to say, that's that's that. also what Rick's been going through, and that's so hard,
2: my experience know? too. Mm. Right. I thought I had a prostate problem, and I didn't. It was sleep apnea. I'm not kidding. It was yeah. like. I was up three or four times oh, a night, nice. and it was just ridiculous. I was taking these prostate herbs <laughs> and stuff. When I finally got go treated ahead. for the sleep apnea, you know, I slept no, while at night. <clears throat> and, uh, ahead, uh, maybe once in a while I'll wake up once a night. But it's just amazing how much better I feel when I yeah. don't get up. Yeah. It's amazing. Well, and I, yeah. I think I think <laughs> too.
3: You know, uh, this is a thing that I always ask patients when they've been—they've probably been the, you, by, to their urologist by the time they've seen me for sleep apnea, and, and they've been on you know uh, right. prostate pills. Yeah. And I say, oh. do you dribble during the day with your urination? Do you have hesitancy? Do you have urgency? No, no, no. I have no problems with the day. Well, that's not your prostate. Oh, you know, it's, it's it's the sleep apnea causing the adrenaline levels, and what happens, the connection here is as you're developing more and more hypoxia, okay, the kidneys actually spill out a lot of neurohormones in relationship to blood pressure, and don't forget, during an apnea, an average apnea, okay, 10 seconds is the book, right? The, the, the minimum of an apnea is 10-second pause of breathing. I don't ever see 10 seconds. I see 30 seconds. I see 45 seconds. I see a minute, Okay. That's not any fun at all. And during those apneas, they're struggling. They're involuntarily. If you ever watch a video of someone having sleep apnea, you'll watch them kind of struggle. And during struggles, we've we've checked the blood pressure, right? Blood pressure is 120 over 80 or less. We've seen them spike as high as 240 over 190. Mm. Now, intrathoracically, your baroreceptors are going, ah, and your kidneys are like, there's something wrong, something wrong. And so now you have all this spilling, right? Uh, Angiotensinogen, and then you have the angiotensin uh, converting enzyme. All mm. these things are going on in the kidney, trying to tell your mm. body get get the fluid off, get the fluid off. And so it's actually filling the kidney. The kidney is actually more active. It's filling the bladder faster in response now, to the stress <clears throat> Um
1: No, uh, so I this think this, the this, it's all I was connected. just joking, but uh, you just, know, I think uh, this is, is a good uh, comes, uh, way of somebody to get into uh, somebody to get into sleep apnea. It's a good reason for them to. Uh, get into listening to your own story, but uh, on the flip side, um, or without including yourself, do you could do you want to either of you uh, or both uh, can tell me one of the patients' experience which changed dramatically, you know, from from ABC to whatever they. Yeah,
2: yeah. Can I start that out? Yeah. So, first of all, uh, wow. this, this, mm-hmm. this is a very interesting story. Mm-hmm. I have an assistant who has been in my hygiene department for mm-hmm. uh, 30 years. Mm-hmm. Her husband was snoring and keeping her awake. And it was just, she She brought him to okay. me and said, please treat my husband. Please treat my husband. So, we got him treated. He was in an upper moderate Sleep apnea category, snored like a freight train. She was getting no sleep. I treated him <laughs> the very next day. She came back to work and she said to me, Oh my gosh, I dreamed for the first time in years last night that she had what is called a rebound mm. dream. I mean, mm. we're talking about vivid, unbelievable dreams mm. that her body was so deprived of sleep. That stage five sleep, REM sleep, that she was absolutely unable to sleep, to dream. She never felt better. And she was like so grateful. So, we're talking about your family members. So, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> that's interesting. It's, it's not just the sleep apnea patient that's suffering, it is the people who yeah. live yeah, with. Yeah, I call it suffering. secondhand snoring, like Many secondhand usually.
3: smoke, you know?
2: Yeah, There's actually been warm. studies on fibromyalgia
3: patients and it, it, they, they removed the snoring bed partner from the room and their fibromyalgia pain got better because the noise is constantly messing up there. And that's called the fancy word for that is sleep fragmentation. Okay, so uh, if you're sleeping and something's disrupting you from staying in that sort of nice cohesive sort of sleep graph, you know, you go to, you know, very short period of stage one and then stage two, and then you have some deep sleep and then a very small bit of REM, and you go back to, uh, to, to, to sure. maybe stage one for a little bit of stage two, and then you go to re- deep sleep again sure. and then a little bit of REM, and then later on, stage two, REM, stage two, REM, stage two, REM. And if you start to mess that up and you're chopping that up, it's basically not giving you the restoration you need because you need that to continue uh-huh. to get to the end point. Remember, if you get five hours sleep, you're missing okay. all this REM yeah. later on in the night because you have to sleep the full period of time oh, to get your oh, actual oh, REM. I think
0: it's, it's good, about
1: 20, I think it's a good time. I'm going back to my sleep app thing, whatever. And then it does have some some percentage here. total restful sleep time um dip average i don't understand any of that so that's why i'm asking you right which is 14 percent dip average is it a good percentage bad okay <laughs> <laughs> i have no clue man i can tell
3: which app is that is it checking oxygen or is that just movement or what okay See, that's, that's, yeah, that's the problem with some of those apps is that's not actually terminology mm-hmm. that we would use in sleep's, uh, sleep environments. So if you're talking about dip average, I'm thinking, well, maybe as pulse ox, if you're using a pulse oximeter and your average drop, uh, say, so Medicare calls an apnea or hypopnea if you have a, well, apnea if it's a 100% coverage, uh, closure or 90%. Okay, But if you have a hypopnea, you need at least 4%. 4% drop in oxygen from your baseline and a change in the airflow yeah. pattern. Okay. For hypopnea. So, so if you had a dip of 4% or 5% or 6%, I'd be like, yeah. Oh my God, yeah. get that guy um, treated. So I don't know what they're yeah. referring to as the dip. And that's what, that's the problem there. Yeah. Yeah. Email, email it to me. Well, and I was wondering too, you know, is there an opportunity to do like questions? I'm sure people have follow-up questions for, and we questions, can always field uh, those, you know, we have not a submission
1: form. I'm able to, uh, 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 to go there them. for whatever reasons, as you said, you know, uh, he travels. Um, what is, what could we do for them? Uh,
3: Well, if you look at the data, right? So, and this I've learned this over the years. Uh, I love CPAP and the right people, but it, but the data says it probably only about thirty percent are going to be extremely compliant and use it to the point where they're both uh, subjectively improved and cardiovascularly improved, right? So, you need to wear it for at least six to six and a half hours a night to be able to protect yourself cardiovascularly as well as maintain the improvement, alertness, and, and that sort of thing. Not a lot of folks do that. And so the data is about 30%. So I love it for that 30%, okay? But the other folks, the 70%, we've gotta do better, right? And so I see all the time because every sleep doc that I'm aware Mm -hmm. of, not every, but a lot of them in the US, they find sleep apnea, whether it's mild, moderate, severe, and it's going to CPAP first, which is not the guidelines. That's
2: right.
3: That's not the guidelines. The guidelines are give the patient preference Based well, I think part if of the problem is, uh,
1: MDs don't, don't even know anything like that. For mild and that moderate actually, to a CPAP, you should give uh, that option. And and not, not done ad-
2: regularly.
1: Exactly. Or are they just discredited. I mean, I had uh, MDs tell me that, uh, you know, the, uh, you got uh, breast cancer because, work. Uh, you know, your dentist misread. prepared your tooth for a crown. I said, are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah, and this is MDs I'm talking about. Um, no offense to many of them, but th- he was, anyways. Uh, we can go on and on. Uh, so, so a patient comes in. Um, uh, this is one of the situations I'm presuming comes into my office, and we yeah. finalized We came to know, okay, this guy has severe sleep apnea, and he needs a CPAP. You know that is what uh, Joe recommended. Now. What do I do from there? Do I recommend him or refer him to an MD uh, in my collaboration, in my collaborative, or do I send it send him to hey, just go to your physician? I'm done. You know, you see. Yeah.
3: yeah, if you have a prescription, a it goes to the DME company. Now, again, dentists who deal with uh, Medicare patients they have to register as a DME company. So, as a DME company, uh, it oh, sounds okay. like as long as you have a prescription and you're f- trained in CPAP therapy, you could likely dispense it as well. Uh, some 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 folks need to have respiratory therapists on staff, or you have to be a licensed uh, medical clinician, like a uh, Nurse practitioner, okay, so phys- uh, M D. What if somebody doesn't uh, want to get
2: into depending on the state? You know, but
3: in uh, some states, if you're DME, a DMA, you're DME, as long as you have a prescription, i I'm got filed. a patient,
1: I'm okay to Not treat that, mild I, to moderate. I, and if and one of the patients is diagnosed with uh severe, same situation, uh.
2: Many of many of them buy CPAPs online. It's not. It's not. I mean, as long as they have a prescription, you can get them online. And there's auto PAPs. I'm not so sure that they should be doing things like BiPAPs and more sophisticated oh, types oh, machines. But many of them. typically, them if you
3: have a prescription, if you have an interpretation of 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 severe, and the docs okay. suggesting CPAP first, they probably have a go to if you're if they're in your area. They have a go-to DME that they'll yeah. they'll send the prescription to automatically, um, yeah. <laughs> so you don't have to manage that. But uh, yeah. you should be part of that team where, in a month or two, when seventy percent of them fail the CPAP, <laughs> you can remind right. them, Doc, "Hey, right. you're not really okay. following up on this case here." Four hours a night of usage might be good for the C- for the insurance company so far, for compliance, but that's not good for night. patient
2: care. Uh, did you hear what Joe jo yeah. just said? The, the definition of success on a CPAP is four hours a night. It's just it's horrible. I I think I, I think that's a very general. And in drive. Australia,
3: they just <laughs> demonstrated that the four hours is not sufficient for cardiovascular protection.
2: No, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's nowhere near <laughs> enough. It's it's a miserable. When you're yeah. talking about less than fifty percent success rate, and then their definition of success rate is four hours, you're talking about a miserable statistic. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's it's a very
3: low bar, and that's because that's what is only tolerated. And so instead of changing the team yeah. into right. a team so effort, this what I'm
2: do. it's just uh,
0: everything applied uh, to sleep like apnea. That's all. That's know, as good as it's going to get. If you be. have no. any
1: specific no, not, message, uh, no, it's not. It's not good, Doctor Rick. If you want to give a specific yeah. message to the audience to get into sleep apnea, you know, please do. Or
2: yeah and sleep apnea treatment is not for every dentist okay that's treatment but I do believe that sleep apnea screening and referral is absolutely not only essential but it's it's a mandate. I think it's 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 malpractice not to do it and not only that you're going to help with your dentistry as well I mean if you're if you're finding that your implants are falling out, your crowns are breaking, the teeth are being worn Mm. down, their TMJ is hurting, and they're they're generally having headaches every morning. Mm. Why would you try and treat that with an oral splint? I mean, why don't you at least screen out and find out if they have sleep apnea? Just, Just that amount. If you don't want to treat it, fine, send it to somebody else. I think that's fine. That's what I would recommend.
3: Hmm. Well, and and there's there's so many resources now to do so. Like we just talked about the circle. You know, it's a consumer based product, it's a good start. It's as simple as it gets. It's a couple hundred dollars, a little you know, it's not you're not gonna break the bank, you know, including that into your into your typical practice. And it's so yeah. simple, these there's God. questionnaires that just give you a score. You check off the box, you know, big neck, blood pressure, guy over forty. Oh, there's your score. We gotta get Yeah, you. yeah let me
2: say one other thing. If you're not going to treat it uh, snoring, at least uh, tell your patients about snore.com. S N O O O R. I mean, give them a sixty-dollar appliance to see if it helps them out. It'll help their spouse at least, and uh, and 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 then this, you can buy those in bulk. They have bulk. I have bulk uh, purchasing fees that are you know extremely favorable. So if you want to make a little money with them in your practice, you can. Got it. But I just think that mainly. You, you ought to just at least supply something that allows the patient to begin their own inquiry into their own treatment. Well, and, and I, I, even though
3: I'm a dental device manufacturer, I'm familiar with all the device designs, okay? I've, I've utilized all of them, I've worn most of them. <laughs> and I just take, uh, the reason why I've even come up with a dental device uh, manufacturing company is I know there's a lot of dentists out there that go, you know what, there's a better way of doing this, okay? <laughs> and yeah, they have ideas, yeah. and that's part of why I, I built that new company is I want to have an avenue where if they wanted to, bounce that off of somebody. Uh, I've mm. got FDA consultants, I've got patent attorneys, I've got a, you know a very busy practice that can be utilized as a developing mm. ground for comfort. And if you manage all those factors, right. we can actually bring a cumulative sort of visual field of what's out there, what's needed, and what's not being addressed so far. So that's one aspect. Two, I want to be a resource for the digital dentistry. I think that's really where things are going to be going here pretty soon. Uh, scanners are getting faster. They're getting smaller. A lot more people are getting cone beam CAT scans. Um, the iteration yeah. of these materials now that this is the first year that FDA approval has been placed on materials for 3D printers of very high resolution. So it's going to be really fun. I've been doing, just off of my own experience, it's always... I'm very good about adjusting this, adjusting that for comfort outs this right. hurts. get you know I, I always wanted to do them in, in the office. Since I've been doing these digitally uh, fabricated devices, the occlusion is perfect within the micron okay never adjust occlusion. Uh, they put it in and it's a little bit of a heat sensitive sort of comfort fit. They, I warm it up just a touch it just fits in right perfectly. I haven't adjusted I've adjusted zero of the last 80 devices that we've done with the new digital uh, dentistry there. Uh, uh, you know, platform with the, with the dental lab. So this is going to make people's yeah, lives great. happier because great. as you know, it's not all the factors we've already talked about, but then it's the hassle factor right. of getting that darn thing to fit. Right. Yeah. But if it's simple, if your technician or your, your assistant's doing yeah. it, your life's happy. So what Rick and I are trying to do with a, our series of, of websites, we've got dental sleep balance. We've got dental chiropractic collaborative. We have, the I'm sorry, Cairo. collaborative. Yep. Um, we have SMG2.net, which is currently doing a lot of our disinfection protocols, which we have several webinars going up there. Hopefully we can do a follow-up down the road with you two things. But um, that's also got a lot of information on the newer dental appliances. Uh, it was in the DSP magazine, the dental sleep practice magazine, I think in okay. the winter edition. It shows some case series of where we combined hybrid yeah, therapy yeah, with yeah. jaw stability advancement and the bongo mm-hmm. which uh, if i don't know if you could describe that but that's kind of what we've made here little, this, is a, right. this is a nylon device here and that just snaps in there Got and lets that bongo just sit, sit right there so if you're turning side to side and this makes the nasal passage more open this is actually the cpap valve right
2: Look, looks yep. like a tap tap just like, it looks looks, looks a but, lot like a tap tap but i like the adjustability yeah, very, very similar but very, it's a clip for great. that guy
3: and uh, and we've got a patent on that there. So these are things that can be added modularly. You know, say you have a yeah. modern severe case, and you, yeah. you know you're going to go to hybrid right away. We can actually print this little God. this little receptacle on the yeah. on the maxillary. Yeah, I, think, uh, right I, I can totally visualize it. So but, all you, uh, you have to know, do send is print that picture, up and pop that baby in, and you, know, you don't have to order from anybody.
0: And, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, and th- this is. This is the comfort sure. material. You actually, this is from Key Splint. It's a 3D printed material, and uh, you just put a little warm water, and that's nice and soft, just like kind of like the talon or some of those sort of uh, thermoplastic acrylics here. But it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't uh, uh, ble- bleed out any of the, um, the, the, the the byproduct.
2: That's that's the one. That's the one I want. Yep, to, that's the one um, you're bro, getting well, there,
3: well, buddy. Once you send me those STLs. Okay. And Panks, you can try okay. one out too, buddy. Okay. You send me some details. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, what what else? Um, and then of course, this is kind of our our uh, our, our um, sample of what our bands are going to look like here. Uh, you can't see it on the podcast, yeah. but they're they're more durable. Okay. Than the EMA, they have a smaller peg, so it's not in your cheek as much, and it's all it's all going to be three D printed. Yeah, that,
2: those pegs are very very bonded, small
3: pegs there, but yeah. but very sturdy. They don't yeah. change them out as much. So, so what I want okay. to tra- just try to get across to the dentists who are hoping to learn. We want to be a a, a resource for those folks. Come to us, ask us. We'll point you in the right direction. We're not going to try to sell you this. This, you know,
2: you're not going to have a forty thousand dollar bill. There's no whiz bang
3: product that you got to buy. You just have to learn basic (laughs) application to start doing this for your patients. Yeah, right. Right. And and I am dental appliance (laughs) agnostic. If you like a certain device, (laughs) I will help you. I just like mine as well. So
2: got it. Got it. <laughs> Good. I love that. Agnostic. Good. Right. All right. <laughs>
1: Seems like um can, can you
2: guys see
3: can you guys see my ankylosed uh uh, uh right there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Joe, you,
2: you don't have the camera uh, down uh, far uh, enough yeah. oh, I was thinking when I when I first met you, you yeah. need <laughs> braces, that's my braces.
3: That's from an expander right there. Look at look, look <laughs> at that, that posterior over, <laughs> you're,
2: <laughs> you're you're <laughs> a mess. You're an actual mess. <laughs>
3: That's from the DNA device, so uh, and the Belfer device. So just know that you're going to deal with occlusion okay. issues after that. So yeah,
1: I keep um I keep talking to my patients and say, you know what, uh, when I'm trying to tell them, hey, you need Invisalign probably or, or you know some proper ortho treatment. I said, and she asked me, and the patient asked me, do I really need it? I said, no. My one of my best patients, sorry, one of my best teachers had the most crooked teeth he had white hair and the most crooked teeth I saw in life but he was one of the best speakers. did he need it no, no.
2: You you
1: want it yes <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's, that's great good. that's great thank you
3: thanks for the interview yeah hopefully hopefully you felt like you, you learned a lot too mm. yeah
2: all right thank you very much uh, thank you thank you Rick Thank see you later. Bye, thanks. Yeah. Would you like yeah. to get a really well. small email
1: a couple times a month to see what hashtag POD is up to? What are we reading? What are we listening to? What are we doing? What's stupid, funny, entertaining, and some weird stuff that we've gotten ourselves into? Then go to podcastsofdentistry.com slash extra. E-X-T-R-A. That's right. podcastsofdentistry.com slash extra and you will get a really small email from us to give you that little extra kick and keep you busy exploring the world we travel. You can also find us on Facebook at podcastsofdentistry.com slash Facebook. Thank you for listening. Hashtag POD. And I'll see you inside.